This is Matt Brown, and you're listening to Just a Good Conversation. Everard Williams Jr. looks like he should be a doctor on a TV show and has the voice for Christian radio. Instead, he is a man with a business degree and the curiosity that drives his love of photography. You might find him searching through the newsstands looking for the hottest new fashion photographer. For the last 20 years, Everard has been teaching at Art Center College of Design, the very place I met him and decided I must have him as a guest on this very podcast. My thought was that it wasn't going to be as difficult as it was. And it was hard. The intention by many of the instructors and the department supported this is was to weed through people. We're going to grind you. We're going to treat it like a boot camp. We're going to throw things at you in a way that you never thought you would ever have stuff thrown at you before. And if you survive, great. If you don't, sorry. You aren't made of the stuff required to be a photographer. I'm Matt Brown, host of Just a Good Conversation. Take a listen to our archives. My guests have ranged from Oscar winners, business owners, and UCI baseball coach Ben Orloff. When we played Fullerton for that first time, just the college baseball fan that I was, the first time I saw Coach Horton, I've told him this, like, I legitimately saw like a TV box around his head. Like I thought I was watching TV, um, and that's what it was at, at Rosenblatt. I remember we, I stood in the in the in the dugout next to Sergio. I think we walked it before we practiced. I think we walked it one day, practiced the next day. Um, I was standing next to him in the dugout, and he's like, "I was standing right here when Mark caught it." I was like, "That's so cool." And so the Omaha experience and how they treat you in that city, and it, I mean, it was unbelievable. The rest of my conversation with Ben can be found on our archives at justagoodconversation.com. Let's have a quick break for a sponsor before diving into my conversation with Everard Williams Jr. I am very excited. I have only met you for 45 minutes maybe previously a couple months ago, but I've got Everard Williams in my office, which is a makeshift podcast studio today. How are you, sir? I'm good, man. Um, Yeah, we spent about 45 minutes together kind of chopping it up a little bit. And let me tell you, when I I left you, this is very rare, I, I was emotional. That tour through that studio what like took me back into time that's interesting you know i mean i was i got in the car and it was like the first date with my wife or the birth of my child it because i have not been in a working smell dark room studio the presses yeah. smelling the wax so when you said that you're emotional this is what my hope was that was something that I said to you that made you feel emotional. So I'm a little sorry that it was just the experience of the labs <laughs> <laughs> that I didn't say anything so impactful to you that you go, Oh my God, that guy is amazing. Well, you did, you did say a couple of things like you want to go into the dark room. Not enough. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> you let me go spin through the door. I haven't spun through a door in 30 some odd years. It's, it's amazing. Um, I think, how important the senses are in in terms of re-triggering memory, right? Oh my God! You you went in, it was dark, so the sensory deprivation of that, right? But then your 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 nostrils are infused with the scent of with 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 fixer and and stop bath, right? Yeah, and 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 you go, holy cow! And then all these floods of memories are are triggered. Oh, right. Oh and yeah, it's, it's it's super powerful. I was twelve again. Like, yeah. boom. Yeah, it's super powerful. I, You know, uh, there has been a tremendous resurgence in, in film. I think we talked about yes. this a little bit. Yeah. 
Um, and I was having a conversation with a student uh, this past week, um, a grad, and she was talking about how much she actually missed the accessibility of being able to go into the dark room to print color or to print black and white. Um, and it, it's certainly the smells that I think are, are triggered in those spaces. I think a lot of it is, I think a lot of it is the sensory deprivation that happens when you're in the dark room, right? You, you might have, if you're in black and white lab, you've got the orange light, right. right? So you can see a little bit, but if you're in the color lab and you're in the dark room printing, you have nothing, nothing. Right. And so there's that, that, um, I think it allows you to reflect inward and, and, and be really quiet. I mean, it's meditative to the in, in, in the sense of, um, I don't know if you have a meditative practice or anything and, and stuff like that. But It would know. be in the dark room if I had it. Sure, right? <laughs> and, and so I, I think that um, that I don't think anybody's really attached the meditative practice to being in, in the dark room, but I think that certainly that's what happens there. Oh, yeah, yeah I agree 100%. Yeah, because you need, you need to be... You need to be focused in the moment and present at, yeah. the, at the end of the day. Otherwise, you're not going to be making anything of any value. I can tell you how simple it was when you were, when I'd work in the dark room and you know you had steps. You could not mess up. You had to follow these steps. And if you did, your print was ruined. Now, on the computer, you could be on Photoshop and you got 40 things that are going on. You got a YouTube channel going on. Your kids are walking in. You're, you're on your phone, you're answering stuff. You could not have done that in the room, in the dark room. It was you, the paper, the tray, the larger. So That's here's the it. question. I agree, but if you were to apply the same discipline to working in Photoshop now, would your images be better? Uh, I think so. But I'm, at a, I'm fortunate, and it's just kind of the way the, the clients are. I do very little work on my Photoshop images because I have clients that are just like, send us the raw files. We don't trust your color balance, the room you work on. Oh, sure. Right? So you, you get that where it's just just upload. Yeah. Yeah. And there, there are, you know, you know, their production artists will screw up the image on their end. Of course. Because <laughs> that's what they do. That's right. They will screw up the image and they will choose the wrong one. Right. Right. <laughs> you didn't see my tag. <laughs> right. This is the hero shot. I put it in a separate hero folder. Yeah. Oh, we didn't see that. I didn't see that. Yeah. <laughs> you have been a very interesting guest. I said this before we hit the record button to research. We you know we only, like I said, we met at Art Center. Yep. Bringing some of uh, Peter Reed Miller's gear in. You guys yep. took it. And we're so appreciative. Did that work out? We are, it, it will. It hasn't worked out. Well, the gift worked out. And again, thanks to you. Thanks to Peter. Um, what we're we're waiting till the fall when we have more students available so that we can kind of distribute that amongst the students. Okay. And, 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 and so um, incentivize them to kind of come to our, our, our once a term faculty, uh, not faculty, once a term department meeting um, and, and, you know, with the opportunity of gifts. Whatever, right. You know, and, you know, um, I would have killed to have one extra head in a pack when I was 18. Well, you know, it's, it's, these times are interesting because um, those packs are the ones that I had. You know, I, I was a Dynalite right. guy. And um, and most of those kids don't know anything about Dynalite, no, right? Not at all. Um, and at the end of the day, one, one of the things, because I teach lighting, and one of the things that I talk about, at the end of the day, lighting is lighting. Mm-hmm. You, you need to know what to do with it and how to do it and when to use it. But as long as the flash flashes when when it's supposed to, then 
it really doesn't matter, right? And they're kind of spoiled because we have great equipment. We have Broncolor and its battery and, and, and Profoto and its battery and it's super convenient and all this kind of stuff. Right. Um, and, and, and as they may watch YouTube videos, like many of them do, and they see pros or people that are representing themselves as pros. Right. Um, <laughs> um, they, they uh, by default, begin to associate that with, you know, that the quality of their image is largely due to the equipment that they're using. Right. <laughs> right. And, and I don't, you know, so one of the, one of the jobs I think that's important is that it's really the idea that's going to make the picture. And then once you have the idea, then it's how, how am I going to communicate that with, with light, shape and form? Mm-hmm. And, and then how can I, how can I make sure that I'm capable enough to do that whenever someone demands it of me? Right. That's it. That's it. It's a pretty simple formula. It's not more than that. Yeah. And I don't understand why they overthink it. Because you know, I can give you whether it's brown color or an old beaten up Speedo pack. I mean, the 30. Norman 2000, or bro. Norman 2000, yeah. yeah. And you have to use a PC cord. Oh, yeah. Do you know 100%. where that's at on your camera? And it's like, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. There's no radio. Let yeah. me explain to you how this works. Yeah. It's it's just understanding where to put the light yep. on your subject yep. and create something. Hundred percent. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, I think I think for you know a lot of a lot for for a, a lot of uh, people that are beginning to learn photography, it's about how do I get information as quickly as possible, and then once I see how it's done, I will replicate that forever. Right. And oh. so, the opportunity of play and experimentation that leads to execution that begins to go out the window. And, and so one of the things that I think, you know, that I try and encourage, and I know many of my fellow instructors try and encourage is, is that element of play, right? Curiosity, right? So you start with curiosity, then you play a little bit and then you, then you execute and, and, and you can learn how to do it on demand so that um, if someone asks you to do it, you can go, Oh, no, not a problem. You want to do that next Tuesday? I'm, I'm, I'm good. And, and you bring all the necessary pieces so that you're not, you're guaranteed of not failing, right? You have backup for the backup and all those, all those kinds of things so that you're not left kind of <laughs> hanging and leaving the client hanging. Right. right. Because ultimately that's your responsibility. Yeah. Is, is taking care of the client. To take care of the client. Yeah. Right. So like I was saying before, researching for you was, was unbelievably fun. Awesome. As challenging as it was. Awesome. It was unbelievably fun. I am fun. curious of what you dug up. <laughs> so, I found it, I found it really not shocking and out of the norm because I think there's some photographers that are just, I don't want to say late bloomers, but they weren't like addicted at six. Like I, at eight or nine, I was in, all in. Mm-hmm. I saw my dad, my grandfather, and my uncle taking pictures, and I was like, I want to do that. Mm-hmm. Your dad was an amateur photographer, but not until you were at another college did you decide, I'm going to take even a course. Was was your dad's love of photography not infectious to you? It was infectious. I remember, so I, I grew up in a house where there was always a dark room. Right, which that that's awesome. Right? My dad played with all formats, four by five all the way down. Wow. Right? Um, and it wasn't until he took me in the dark room one time and I watched a print come up, I'm like, oh, there's magic. Oh, how does that even happen, right? How old were you? I want to say that I was probably 
probably eight or nine, maybe ten. So that probably was mind blowing to watch that. Oh, oh, hundred percent. Watch that paper transform. I, I have no idea what's happening here. It's yeah, like, oh, what's going on? Uh, you stick something, light goes on the paper, and then you stick it in some clear liquid, and then poof, something happens. Right. He must have looked like a wizard to you at oh, that point. Oh, for sure. Like he had a cape and a stick, yeah, and for he was sure. making match. Yeah, and and I, I think the the initial thing was we, I think we may have made a photogram. May have been a photogram of my hand. I think. I, I I don't know if I'm right. I I don't know if my I'm pulling that out of the recesses of somewhere. I I, I don't know, but I, I want to say that there was a photogram of my hand, and that's what I saw come up in the thing, up in up in the developer, and so I thought that was really cool. Wow. Um, but I was not that kid that wanted to start at the beginning. So that meant that what I wanted was a cool camera. Uh, <laughs> right? And my dad was like, no, we're not going to give you a cool camera. I'm going to give you a brownie Hawkeye. Oh. That's a little different. Right? And and so it doesn't get more basic than that, right? It's a, and it's a way of kind of assess, assessing how into it is he. Right. Right? And I had it for a little bit, and I probably took a, a few rolls of film, and but... Yeah, you know what? It didn't look like the one that my dad was using, right? And that seemed like the real thing. I didn't want this old antique thing. So I, I never, I never pursued it much beyond that, right? I didn't do um, yearbook in, in in high school right. or any the, stuff the, like that. The, the typical pathway, yes. right? Didn't do anything for school newspaper, none, none of that stuff. So I get to college. Um, I'm in my junior year. And I'm like, you know, my grades are not really great. And wasn't even thinking about how little impact an A would have based on how many classes I've already taken. I'm not even thinking about that. But I'm thinking, I want an easy A. So I said, I'll take a photography class. And my roommate at the time was a photography major. I'll take a photo class. And I take the class. I borrow a camera from home, my dad's camera. He wasn't going to let that out of his hands. But he had bought my mom a 35-millimeter Mamiya Secor. He's got your mom addicted to this thing too. She's not addicted, but <laughs> but it, it was it was a way for him to um, feel like when the, the trips that he wanted to take that she had something to do. Okay, right? Yeah. So I got the camera. I took it to school, and I started making black and white pictures and developing them in darkroom and having that experience. Next thing I know, ninety percent of my time is spent in darkroom. I mean, did you did it happen fast? Uh, yeah, it happened pretty quick, right? So I make I make some images. I go into the dark room, I I, I turn them in, and I'm getting you know uh, evaluations that are not hateful. It wasn't throwing my prints around or anything, right? Um, and so I'm like, well, I'm enjoying this a lot, and so I started spending more and more time in the dark room and running more and more film and and all those things, and to the to the extent where the chair of the photo program said, you know, you're here a lot. He gave me a set of keys. Really? Yeah. So I had 24-hour access to the lab. Now, what's dad thinking at this point? That's a good question. Um, I I haven't asked him. I think that as he's seeing me make pictures and he's seeing my interest, he's really enjoying the fact that there's something that we can now talk about and share. Um, and I think that 
for the first time, they saw me focus on something that I really liked. Right? I was a business major. Right. I didn't know. To- totally night and day. Yeah, and I, you know, it's, it's it's like I'm I'm doing this because it's it seems like it's a degree that I can accomplish, and I'm not really into it necessarily, but. It'll put food on the table. It's a, I can make anything out of that. Assuming that I was thinking that far out into the future. <laughs> That's true. Right? I wasn't, right? It, it was going to be a degree, and I had no idea exactly how I was going to use that degree at all. And so I find myself really loving uh, photography, um, and I graduate, and I decide, well, I have a business degree. I love photography. How, those, how do those things overlap, and what does that look like? Advertising makes sense. Right? Now, are you shooting advertising? What are you shooting even at, at college now? Like, are you shooting anything and everything? I mean, at, when yeah. I that, that during that time, right? It was anything and everything. It was much as much just loosey goosey. You just shoot the assignments and shoot friends and landscape, whatever. It's funny, I, you know. So now that I reflect on it, um, I was not the typical guy in taking f- pictures of the pretty girls. Okay, didn't do it. Don't do it now. It drives me nuts. It's um, easy. Yeah, and I feel like I feel for like it can be exploitive. Sure. Right. And there's and yeah. and, and and ulterior motives can be attached to it. Not all the time, right. but but they can be. And and it wasn't. I wasn't interested in making those kind of pictures for whatever reason, right? And so I was making landscape pictures. I was making pictures of my Volkswagen Bug. I was making other just other pictures, right? Um, but always with a sense of experimentation. Always. Experimenting in like film, processing? Everything. Okay. So what does a film do when it when I do this? What happens when I process it this way? What happens when I make a print and instead of just running it in the Dectol, I put Dectol in a, a sprayer and spray the Dectol onto the print. Wow, that really is experimenting for somebody who really hasn't had like years of foundational work and then stretch out. You just went for it, which is great. It's just no way, bumpers. Yeah, as much the way my my mind worked. Okay. Yeah. Um, Were you creative before you decided to take that photo class? Were you a drawer? Or no. Did you sketch nothing? So. No. I wish I could. This, but, uh, this became an avenue. For oh, for sure, hundred percent. Expose like your creative side. Yeah, yeah, and you know, I think when I think about um, the things that I gravitated towards, you know, looking at you know magazines or whatever, it was always towards the things that were a little bit more fringy. Hmm. So, Interview Magazine was big at that time. Okay, right, Andy's Magazine, mm-hmm. right? The Face was a big thing at that at that time, mm-hmm. right? Uh, well. I should say the face became big like in the '90s. So this is pre-'90s. So this is mid, you know, early to mid-'80s. But I was always looking at those, you know, things that um, that weren't mainstream because I was just curious about what that stuff was and what it looked like. Mm-hmm. Um, it was very different. Very different. And and so I think you know because I leaned in that direction, that the experimentation piece was a natural a natural piece of of that right right? so i'm creating images that that were fringy or you know alternative or not what everyone would see every day and all that kind of stuff and at the end of the day i was having fun i'd be in in the dark room all hours of the night just kind of playing right it's the best doing stuff just because i want to do it not because it was an assignment or anything like that i'm turning in for class like what does what does this do when i do this oh man that's pretty cool 
isn't it interesting people don't understand like how passionate we are about something like that like you don't find dentists at three in the morning practicing or a guy working on a roof i mean you will find that guy who's working on his bike at three in the morning yeah yeah, yeah. he's you know a mechanic yeah right but like when we have we found that you found that yeah yeah like it's life changing it's altering there's nothing ever now gonna be anything like that for you it's no. just unbelievable i was the same way where it's just like Oh, it's four thirty in the morning. Right. God, I, I've got homework in class at, at eight. I didn't realize I ate two meals in the dark room. <laughs> oh, you yeah. ate. You're good. I, I didn't eat. I was. I was just just plugging away. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Well, I I remember at uh, college they had a mini fridge in the dark room that had a red light so you can open it up. Oh, that's genius. <laughs> which is genius. Yeah, that's genius. But kind of frightening. Someone went that far. <laughs> they they knew they knew how addictive the the process could be. Yeah, right. Like yeah, they were. The, I was I'm predicting your future. I know that you're going to be in here much longer than you ever anticipate. Right. So here's a refrigerator for you, just in case. Yeah. Yeah. See you when you come out. Yeah. If. <laughs> if yes, right. If. you can come out full beard, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. oh yeah, Santa Claus. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Exactly. Yeah. 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 You missed three holidays. <laughs> Did I? Really? What's the date? <laughs> yeah. So uh, you you find yourself gravitating to advertising just because of that interest? Uh, no, because I was thinking about how these two things can intersect together, right? So if I have a business degree, okay, that's smart, right? And that's and smart. I'm I'm interested in 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 pictures. Then advertising seems a logical place for those things to kind of live together. Yeah, you've touched the your boundaries with 100%. advertising. I had no idea what an advertising career really would look like. Right, but. But I did know that, um, so my plan was, I'm going to apply to Art Center. My portfolio will only allow me to get in as a photographer. Now, why Art Center? What was the? It was, you know, it was in my backyard. Okay. So I, I live in, in Altadena. Art At Center's, the time? Yeah. Okay. My folks still, my folks still live there. I, I have a house there too. Um, but I didn't do any research on what are the other colleges that I'm going to go to that, that might provide me an opportunity to understand and learn photography? Didn't do that. And Didn't research was more difficult then than it is today, right? You couldn't just Google yeah. up Art Center. No, like You no. had to know. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I could have gone to a, a library. I could have asked a librarian, so how do I find out about, you know, I'm thinking I want to do, I didn't. I happened to know about Art Center. I don't know exactly how I knew, but I knew about Art Center. Um. And uh, thought, well, I'll apply and see if I get in. And if I get in, what I'll do is I'll start in photography, but I'll transfer to art direction. Wow. You had a plan. It's, it's, it sounded like right. One. I mean, you set yourself up with a plan. Yeah. Um, and I got in um, and got, did my first semester there. And I did a couple of things that were probably not really smart. <laughs> I was I was working while going to probably the most intense education I've ever experienced. So I'm thinking, one, I love photography. I can do it in my sleep. I enjoy it, right? Um, I already have a college degree, so I've demonstrated at least ability to to graduate from something. Right. Right. The grades may not have been stellar, but I've demonstrated that I can I'm do an that. adult. Right. I have a degree. So my thought was that it wasn't going to be as difficult as it was. 
and it was hard. And the intention by many of the instructors and the department supported this is was to weed 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 through people, right? We're going to grind you. We're going to treat it like a boot camp. We're going to throw things at you in a way that you never thought you would ever have thrown stuff stuff thrown at you before. And if you survive, great. If you don't, sorry. You aren't you aren't made of the stuff required to be a photographer. Right? Do that, you do you think you had any sense of being prepared? There's no way to prepare anybody. Like you just There's no way to prepare right. anybody. You were all just like, I'm I'm twenty some odd years old, I've graduated, I got a degree, I love this. I'm I'm Yeah, I don't think that anybody because what would an eighteen-year-old you have done? I would have, I would not, I would not have survived. There's no way the eighteen-year-old me to have survived the intensity of what art center was. And at the time, art centers entering average entering age was, was mid twenties, right? So twenty somewhere between twenty-three and twenty-five probably was the, the the average age, right? And so you have a little bit of life experience. You probably gone to junior college. You may have a degree or, or whatever. And those people, those students that came in from directly from high school, one, it wasn't encouraged, but they had, because of the intensity of the program, found it to be really difficult, a difficult thing to manage. Well, it's not high school. It's it's real. It's 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 not even college. Yeah. It's 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 a different animal. And I don't know I don't know that anyone could have ever explained to me what it was that I was getting into. Wow. And even if even if they did, it would be abstract because I wouldn't have had the experience to be able to correlate what they said to anything. Right. Oh. Um, it's to just to jump ahead for just a just a second, it's it's something similar to when students are in school now and you and we have a number of business courses for them to take because business is important. This is what you're ultimately going to be doing. And but their approach often is I need to get a grade in this class. I need to get through so I can go ahead and make my work and so on and so forth. So they don't pay that much attention to it. And also because what you're doing with them inside of those courses is all abstract. It's not attached to anything of real material value. A grade, of course. But it's not like it's a job with $5,000, $10,000, $20,000 attached on the end where you have to make sure that you come back with the thing that you've been assigned to, to, to do, Right. And so the result is ultimately that many of those students don't pay that much attention to it because of the abstractness or the perceived abstractness of, of what it is that you're asking them to think about. And so, it's, so, you know, sometimes you get calls on the back end like, hey, I'm in this situation. I need to negotiate this. I need to do, how do I, how do I begin to consider marketing myself? You know, all those things that you know were included in the various classes that they did, but they, were, they weren't ready to listen to it. Right. right? And so it's not until I'm placed in a circumstance where that information is of value to me that I'm really paying attention yep. to it. So it was, it was the same thing. It was the same thing for me. Right. You know, when I, when I was, I, it was abstract. How, how quickly did you, when you started at art center, did you feel like, Oh boy, was it the first couple of weeks or was it even sooner? Like the first couple of days? no, it's probably about a month in, right? Because they would they would give you assignments that would do in two weeks. Okay. Um, and so you do an ass- you work on, on on the first assignment, and you finally turn it in. And you get an evaluation on it. Now you're already two weeks into the first assignment. The evaluation didn't go so great. So you so there was like 
if you didn't get a good grade, you can always go back and redo the assignment. Mm -hmm. Redos are always encouraged, and I think they're the best thing in the world. Right. But now that means that now you're stacking the redo on top of the new current stuff. So it's easy to get behind and easy to feel completely overwhelmed. What was your first assignment? Do you remember? I don't remember. I don't remember. So um, I can tell you the classes that I had. So um, the first semester I had um, a design class where you, you painted swatches. So you understood grayscale from, from a painting standpoint and color wheel and all that kind of stuff. Um, had a class that was a four by five view camera class. So swings and tilts and perspective and all that kind of stuff. Big film. A big film, <laughs> yeah. Um, had a lighting class. Okay. Right. Uh, had a, a class that was taught by the chair of the department that was more of a touchy-feely class um, where, he, where he would kind of give... Um, allow uh, it was an opportunity inside the curriculum for you to do something creative, right? Because all the other assignments are so foundational, right? That if you're doing swings and tilts and you're doing it on a cereal box, that's what you're doing. You're, you, you know, it's not about anything else other than the mm -hmm. cereal box, mm -hmm. right? If you're doing lighting, then it's about the ball cube and cylinder and <laughs> getting getting the shades and the tones and all that kind of stuff and getting the background to separate and all that kind of stuff foundational stuff right mm -hmm. yeah and so um i think in recognition that this is a creative endeavor and we need to ha establish a creative outlet even though we're completely pounding them in the head with all this other technical stuff we'll have this other class so that that was that was another class um and a, a black and white lab class so processing by hand four by five no agitation marks, no pump marks, all that, all that kind of stuff. Nice and clean. Nice and clean, nice right? Nice and clean, yeah. Um, and, um, and, and all those had intense assignments that were multi-layered and, 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 you know, where uh -huh. it's not just the execution, but it's also uh, hugely dependent on your ability to take really good notes so that you knew what the process was that you were beginning to do, right? Right. All those things are super important because when you start working with clients, you need to take great notes. Yeah, you got to be in the dark room. Remember, okay, yep. yeah, I got to yep. do this. Hundred percent, hundred percent. That's why I do this. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so there was a level of intensity that happened that first semester that I got completely overwhelmed because I was working outside, um, and was I got behind, and now I'm trying to play catch up, and and feeling completely overwhelmed with the process. What was your job on the outside at the time? I was working at Fox Photo. <laughs> okay. All right. Working at the counter, printing pictures, you know. Right. Customer service stuff. People's four by sixes all day yeah, long. Yeah, all day long. Right, yeah. All day long. Um, and well, at so, least you weren't wearing a business suit at a business job, you know, at accounting in downtown LA. And then you have to come back and be in the dark room for six hours yeah yeah i mean the, 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 there was connective tissue to, sure. to what i was doing even though it wasn't the same it, scale it, it was, yeah it was it was, it, it was different and i enjoyed the people that i worked with there and all that kind of stuff so that that certainly helped that helps sure um but man i got completely overwhelmed right and so end of the semester comes you turn in all your final all your work and with your original and your redos and all that kind of stuff and and I remember being up all night the night before, finishing up some stuff. At, at, at and the darkroom closed at school at at ten. So after ten, I would go go home. I would go into the darkroom at my at my 
dad's dark room and use that and finish doing some work. And so that had stuff to present, right? And I remember getting in the car and realizing that I had a pile of shit that I was going to be turning in. It was done, but it was crap. And from my parents live in Altadena, our center is 10 minutes away. I cried all the way to school. I was boohooing like crazy. Get to school, walk down, walk in the, 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 the glass doors down the bottom where the photo department is. And in that corner off, there was a corner office. That's where the chair sat. And I am just, he could tell that I was not in a good place. So he asked me to come in his office. Go in the office. We have a chat. He says, you know, you're going to be okay. Maybe you should take a term off, whatever. And um, and go ahead and turn your stuff in. You'll be okay. So go turn my stuff in. I got terrible grades. Terrible grades. And I took the term off. And normally, if you take the term off after your first term, most people are going to say, he washed out. Right. Did, didn't cut it. Yep. Right? Mm-hmm. What happened is, because I had access to a darkroom, I shot during my that semester off, and I made pictures that, if if my work indicated that I didn't have an understanding of what I was doing necessarily, being able to apply it to my own work without the pressure of it being an assignment and, and that particular time attached to it, and the time to allow that information to gestate in my head, I realized that. I actually know this shit like crazy. Like I was making good pictures. And I'm like, okay. So I go back. What was what do you think the change was? Um so part of it is that there's there's an intense pace. And so I think that is it, it, the intense pace of the college combined with me not being able to be 100 100% focused on on what I was doing. Um so having the space for the information to actually sit and marinate a little bit so okay. that I actually understood what it was that I was trying to do or what was being asked of me to do in those assignments, and now I can actually apply it to something real. Um, that helps immensely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where you don't understand when you've got a week, two weeks, and you've got other things going on, how quickly you can lose time management. And you're like, oh, my God, oh. I am not giving this project enough. And then you're looking at it like you for sure, and and felt and it, like oh god, and, and I if, got crap here. Yeah, and if and if you're if if you're if you weren't good with time management, right, and you procrastinate, and I think procrastination can be good in some in some instances. Um, so you layer that on top, and you go, oh man, I'm in a world of hurt right now. Right, and you've got how many classes were you doing at the same time in that first five? <laughs> five, god. yeah, it was intense, man. Holy Christ. Yeah, yeah. It was it was intense. And so I mean each one of those alone well, is a monster. Each one of those is alone is, is is a monster and instructors believe that this class is the only class that you're taking. Right. You're only taking the sliding class. Yeah. So of course you're going to dedicate all your time to this one class to get the assignments right. So you multiply that times 5 and that kind of attitude and attitude with that kind of expectation mm-hmm. it's it there's a layer of intensity that's that's added to it that was it was palpable it was crazy so when you go back are you feeling now you've you've got your head right you can you can work through this uh yeah i did and 
and I knew that I had some good work. Um, and um, I remember coming back, and I'm on pro- academic probation now. Right, sure. Right? They put you on. Oh, a- yeah. It's like, bro, you you effed up that first, first semester. Your grades would exemplify a person that's probably not going to make it, right? Yeah. But, and we don't need you too. Yeah, we yeah we, and we we don't need you, and so we're going to put you on academic probation, and so you need to buckle down and get your grades right and all that kind of stuff. And so I come back, but I'm I'm feeling good about what it is that I can produce now, right? And so that second semester was amazing. So I come back, and 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 one of the instructors, you know, they ask you to print an egg and stuff like that. So I pull out one of the eggs that I shot. And, and so, you know, they want to evaluate it, you know, so you go in the, in the dark room, pull a print, and you put it up on the thing. And I think he was completely shocked by the level of refinement that that picture had. And, and it was at that moment that we really became really good friends. Wow. So like, he, he definitely saw in that six, It's like, eight oh, oh, shit. Something's different from the guy that was here before. Right. Right, um, and and now he's he's pulled a print from a neg, and it's it's nice. It's almost like they sent you to to AAA, and then you had to go down to single A, get yeah, your yeah. shit together, and then they brought you back up. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, okay, yeah. Seems like he's oh he's yeah, got his swing. He's 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 legit, right? Yeah. Because it can be overwhelming. It doesn't matter oh, who you are. It's yeah. a difficult thing. But but I think I think that one of the things I think that's un, unspoken is how important um, feeling encouragement is. Oh yes. Right. So when you see an instructor surprised and now in, willing to kind of really work with you, yeah. Because they see, oh, there's some really amazing potential that's that's here, and so I. You know, we'll give it some extra special attention or whatever. Right, that well, a boy and a pat on the back can go a long uh, way when you've just huge, been crushed. Huge, huge. And so, so second term was amazing. There was another class in second term where it was taught by um, an advertising creative director, and and so he gave out an assignment. I can't remember exactly what the assignment is, but I remember the image that I came back with. And I remember coming up with this idea beautiful black woman sitting on a trunk kind of at, at, a, at a kind of at a, a depot like waiting for the train she's gonna so I found a big giant trunk put it in my Volkswagen got her all styled in in, in, in kind of vintage clothes went down to downtown LA near the train tracks and and set up this this, this photograph right and like oh this is gonna be really cool so I get back to school process my four by five. Oh, you shot a four by five yeah 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 yeah, yeah. And, and I remember going into the lab and printing it. So I'm only second semester. And so in the lab is everybody, all semesters, right? Sure. From one all the way up to eight. And I remember putting it up on, on, on uh, where you evaluate the wet print. And I'm looking at it. And I remember this upper term guy. He must have been like seventh term. And you looked at it. And if I could capture his expression, he was like blown away. That, that picture was up on, on and I'm like, oh, okay. So I'm I'm surprising even people that are, yeah. I mean, you know, you yeah. you, you, you walk, you certainly walk different, right? Um, and so, and then it's you know now I'm going to reveal it in class, and it was the same kind of reaction by 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 the instructor, right? And so now now I'm feeling like okay, I really am in the right place. 
and I don't think that I want to switch over to to, to be an art director. Oh, I'm going to stay and stay and be a photographer. Wow. Yeah, that changes your whole plan. No, oh, yeah, completely. It was, but as you know, it was it was it was perfect. It was meant to be. Right. I, right. I, I, I felt like I found my home. Right. I mean, I had an idea what art directors did, but I didn't. I mean, I can't really draw. So how am I going to really? Um, back in the day where you weren't, you know, cutting out scrap, you were actually illustrating what the idea was going to be. And I didn't have those kind of drawing skills. That would have been a, t- a tough road, right? And so right. Uh, photography was was really the place. Damn, those railroad tracks and a yeah. beautiful woman on a trunk yeah. was the switch. It was a switch, yeah. yeah. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, I mean, what did that, when you're setting it up, when you're looking through the, the viewfinder and you got the, Mm-hmm. blanket over your head and you're shooting i mean were you thinking like oh i have something here oh yeah oh that's so nice yeah you, you you feel you feel it yeah. for sure yeah yeah um there's no like second guessing like oh if we would have shot this at 4 a.m or 4 p.m or the right you, know, you, you had it right there. yeah I, I was not sophisticated at that time to think about time of day okay so that's I, later yeah that's later um and so i'm like this is the time frame in which we're going to go shoot and I'm going to make it work. Right. Based on what's available to me. Right. And it, it, it worked. Yeah. It crushed. What's the next couple of classes after that, that really just start going, okay, we've got something here. You steamrolling, you're eating it up, whether mm. it's portraiture or another lighting class. Was there stuff you're just like, yeah, yeah, oh, for, for sure. So give it to me. So I happen to make a, 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 a really beautiful picture of, of, of that person, but I, I didn't consider myself a portrait photographer. Okay. I was thinking that I was going to be a product, a product guy. And so it wasn't until my third semester class where I have portrait, portrait lighting with this great guy, Norman Mouskoff. Mm. I know that name. Yes. Yeah, Norman's a great guy, and I don't know that he knows that I, he flipped the switch for me. But in that class, we we're making portraits, obviously, right? And I had such a good time making portraits of people. I was like, "Oh, this is this is new." Did he make it very easy to understand the process of lighting a person to a purse? If I remember, this is this is. This is obviously this is the way back machine. I don't remember Norman being a formularic guy. Okay. And for how I shoot now, it's perfect. I'm not a formularic guy at all. I like to experiment and play, mm-hmm. um, but I'm not. I'm not a guy driven by. Oh, it needs to be three point lighting, and the ratios need to be this, and blah 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 blah, mm-hmm. right? And and so I don't know what work you've seen. I mean, some work on Instagram, and there's right. you know, and, and there's maybe a few pieces lurking other places, but I don't think that my work is formularic by any any stretch of the imagination, and and I purposely don't want it to be. Yeah, all the old catalogs from either Broadway or Bullocks or Buffums, they don't exist anymore, so I couldn't find them. <laughs> <laughs> those were the good days of catalogs yeah, yeah. people have no idea yeah. how much fun it was yeah when you're are you setting up then some kind of additional game plan like when this is over at art center i'm going to stay in la go to new york like i'm gonna do this or that or, or are you not thinking because at some point right I, I i researched this you're gonna get married i did yeah i got married in 
So there's eight terms at Art Center. I got married between my sixth and seventh term. And that's rare. A yeah. lot of people don't do that. That's not the thing to do. Yeah. Right? Because they're still trying to figure out what their career is going to be. Yeah. And you're in love. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not with the camera and yeah. somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, is that thought press then change? Because, oh, okay, we're going to stay in L.A. We're not going to go to New York. I'm not going to do this or that. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good question. Um, I had not thought about exactly where I was going to stay just yet. Um, I was busy trying to make my pictures. Um, what it did force me to do, probably earlier than most and more intently than most, was begin to start showing my portfolio prior to graduation. Mm, okay. Um, and I don't know, well, let me take that back. So um, I had an instructor, his name is Tony Luna, um, was it uh, an agent for Dan Wolf and, and others, like really top guy. And so this is an age before computers. And I remember being in his class and he was talking about kind of marketing, kind of what do you do and how he does it and stuff mm -hmm. like that. And he gave us a piece of paper that had, that he had Xerox many, many times that had, um, it was a form, right? So name of the person, name of the agency, their title, all the contact information and a space for notes. I remember taking that, Xeroxing a bunch of copies for myself, <laughs> and then going up to the library and sitting down and looking at communication arts annuals. Wow. And so what I would do is I would sit down in the library and I would take a bunch of post-its, I would skim through, look at things that resonated with me and kind of what my vision I thought, you know, that would, you know, the kind of work that I wanted to make. And that seemed to be in keeping with the kind of work that I do. Right. And I would begin to scrape a name, an agency, all that kind of stuff. Right. Right. And so I was beginning to build a database when I was in school. Smart. Um, and then from there, um, you know, I, you know, so I was already beginning to think of once I get out, I'm going to need to do something. So I started assisting when I got out of school. That's what I was going to ask. Yeah. Okay. Were you assisting anybody yeah. at the point? Because yeah. that's the smart thing to yeah. do. Yeah. No, I, I assisted uh, one of my teachers who I didn't get a good grade in his class. Um, <laughs> but he still took you on as an assistant. Yeah. Well, you know, the, he, he, it was funny. Um, when he he took me on because one of his other assistants wasn't able to, okay. to, to assist. And so this guy recommended me. I go on. Um, I think the first trip was like to the Vegas and we did something for Caesar's palace or something like that. And we clicked, we had a good time. I worked, I, I did a good job. And, and so I, I became his go-to guy for about, about a year. And, um, so I was, I was making money that way, but I was also prior to graduating, I was already strong in my portfolio and I was beginning to get some work. Wow. Wow. That's good. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, you know, I, I think I think the thing that helped was the images in the portfolio that I had at the time were atypical. So I, okay. I, I look at that time, yeah, mid to late 80s, where there's, there was this kind of transition between from um, a person that could like the perfect gray seamless mm -hmm. to a person that had a little stylistic flavor. Right. I know exactly what you're talking right. about. And I was in the stylistic flavor camp. Right. Yeah. And so the work that I produce had a little 
bite to it, a little edge to it. And so people were responding to that and I was, I was beginning to get some work. And I remember, I remember one particular client, um, it was for California business magazine. Okay. I don't know how I got in to see Mr. Michael Walters, but I got in to see him and next thing I know I'm, I'm getting an assignment and I did this shot of two, uh, execs, um, in a bank in downtown LA process the film at school. I'm looking at the film. I remember taking it into my class, show my, my instructor, the editorial teacher, so he's a graphic designer. Mm -hmm. And I remember him just like, again, one of those things like, oh, this is really good, right? Like, so one, again, one of those kind of aha moments, not, not just for him, because I don't know that he knew what kind of pictures that I, I, I made or what my capability was, but when he right. saw that and, and also knew that it was something that was going to be, this was an actual job, then the relationship that we had changed a bit. Um, and then I remember taking it, <laughs> I remember taking the work to the magazine to deliver it. We walked in, we put it on the light box, and he's, he's like, now I have to make a decision. Because I wasn't anticipating that I was going to be using any of this stuff for a cover. So what was going to be just an interior mag, uh, interior right. stuff right. now goes to not only an interior, but now something that's going to run on the cover. That's a big jump. Yeah. So it was, it was, it was You cool. hit a home run. So I'm like, okay. Holy crap. I'm, I'm legit. Right. He was going to give you a, a yeah. work for a story. Now it's the cover. Now, now it's a cover. To the story. Yeah. Woo. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm feeling like, okay. I I I I can I can begin to do this like in in a real sense, right? But those jobs are too few and far between. Right, they right? are. And so you're They're trying not to, three days a week. No, yeah. no. And so you're trying to make ends meet. Um, and so I was doing a lot of assisting, um, uh, you know, especially out after school, right? While I'm in school, I'm doing that job, but then I really got school to, ma to manage and take care of. But then when I got out, it was like, okay, well, I need to start assisting. And then while I was assisting toward my latter part of my assisting career with that photographer, I did a two week uh, trip to, to New York. Okay. Right. Um, run the gauntlet see yeah you can see yeah yep. yeah yeah and and i got some great advice before going out which was when you find somebody and you get in and they seem to be vibing on, on the work ask them who else they know because then it's not a cold call hey i'm in new york you don't know me i'm in new york and i would love to show you my work i'm from california it's like so-and-so said i should come by and take a look at the work that you might really like what i do Mm -hmm. whole different vibe oh yes right? it's like validation someone they, they know and trust right and so if gary sent you over it means something you mean something and so it's like okay so i i found that i was i had opportunities to meet more people than i had time wow that's great so then the conversation is all right i'm gonna I'm going to come back to New York. What was, what was my experience in New York? And is this a place that I want to stay? I'm like, no, don't want to stay. But I'll do work for you. Oh, yeah, for sure. sure. I, I, I realized that my happy place is being able to drive, not walking and beating my feet up. Yeah, you know? subway. Yeah. Not, yeah, it's a good place to visit. I love, I love being there. Have you ever seen a photographer, a working photographer, move gear through the subway? 
No, and I can't imagine it, and I wouldn't want to be that guy. I saw a guy in a good size lightwear case, right? Like the manager one with the yep. Sta- yep. and it stands on the side. Yeah, he's going. To, he's trying to carry it down. I don't know what street we were on. No elevator, but he's carrying him down the steps, and he's moving through, and he's trying to get it through. And I was just looking at this guy going, "Oh, buddy, I feel for you." Yeah, oh, yeah, I feel for you. So I recognize that that's not that's not the place for me to create the work that I want. Right, right. So now I can come home. And now, now I'm married, and so it's not a question of, hey, do you think we should move to New York? I really had a great experience there, blah, 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 blah. And she's a nurse, so she really could kind of get a job anywhere. Sure. Right? Right. Is this something that you want to do? That wasn't a, that never had to become a conversation because I decided, yeah, you know what? L.A. is the place, and, if I, if I, I, and I think I can get work from New York, and I did. I got work from those, from those meets while I was in New York. I think I probably got three or four jobs from that, from that one trip. That's fantastic. So some editorial work, some work at design firms. Wow. You know, so I was, I was, I was in the mix, you know? And so it's like, okay, now, now it's about how do I keep that going right. and all that kind of stuff. Keep growing yeah, this yeah, yeah, process. Yeah. Get yeah. it from three to four to five to six, yeah. six to 10. And yeah. then you're just taking off. Yeah. Was there any ever thought at that point, like maybe go to Denver, we go to Seattle and I'd be a bigger fish and maybe in a smaller pond. No, I wasn't that smart. Okay. I didn't, and because you know this, LA and LA and New York are just absolutely saturated with people yeah. coming and going, you know, in the creative. I, I don't know if I was that I was felt like I was cocky or overconfident because I don't think of myself in, in 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 that in that way. I do think my work speaks for itself and that people uh, like the work. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I had friends that were thinking about what is the market that I want to be in. Right. Yeah. I, well, I, had, I had a friend. Had those guys. Yeah. I had a friend that was like. You know, I hear Australia's really might be a place to go. I'm like, I'm not going to Australia. Yeah, I had boys that were like, I'm going to London, I'm going yeah. to Florida. Yeah. Like, yeah. What? And and and, and again, I, I, maybe I would have thought about things differently had I not been attached to somebody. Right. 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 Where I could go, you know what, I'm gonna spend a year in Europe and kind of see what happens. I I didn't. I that wasn't an opportunity that was that was really there for me. So sure. When you're starting out in those first couple of years, was there growth or are you just trying to get work done for the client? Are uh, we still uh, experimenting? That's all I do. Okay. I think that um, because of going to Art Center and receiving the kind of training that you that I did and that we deliver, I would say, um, all I do is play. That's all, that's all I do, right? So I problem solve for you and play at the same time. Right. I get to play on your dime. Mm-hmm. But with the confidence that I can deliver, right, that's, that's the important piece. Were there some early clients early on that you just made great stuff being experimental with, having fun oh, with? Oh, 100%. So one of the beauties of being at Art Center was that um, during my time there, I built relationships with graphic designers on the other side of the building doing projects for them and stuff like that. Those relationships extended to, to the outside. Right. Cause they go on, they get jobs. Right. Hey, I got a guy. He's really good. Right. So uh, I'll just take a look at his book. That's all you want. Yeah. Let me show you the book. So a good, a, a, you know, a good friend of mine, we still are great friends and in contact with each other, you know, you know, to this day, she was working at a design firm in Santa Monica. And so I wouldn't show my book. And 
I ended up getting an assignment from somebody else, not her. Hmm. Paper promotion thing. Um, I wanted to say it was something that was about recycled paper. Okay. Right? And so I made, I made some pictures. Polaroid Type 55. All right. And I let all the goop dry on it. Oh. Right? So it was all raggedy and stuff like that. Fucking beautiful. <laughs> it was, I saw the, I pulled those, I had, I had to do an image search just, just the other day and I actually pulled those images out and was like, oh shit, this was good. Oh, that's, that's great. It was good. It was good. And so it was like a series of three or four images that I put together all around kind of recycling. And so it was a guy, so I, I found this bodybuilder mm-hmm. and, um, I did a photograph of him on the backside of my apartment with a giant kind of um, exercise ball okay. that I had glued newspaper to. All right. So, and he's holding it like Atlas, mm-hmm. right? So that was one shot. And then there was another shot of him. I want to say he was on a bicycle, but he had um, like a, a gas mask on. All right. Right. So, and then the other one was him holding a trash can, like a silver trash can that's kind of brimming with kind of recyclable materials and stuff like that. And those were the three shots. And what were their thoughts? What did they think when they saw? I loved them. Ah, that's good. They loved them. Yeah. It was, it was, it was a great piece. It was a great piece. And then that, that friend that actually brought me in there, she calls me one day and says, Hey, I've got a paper paper promotion. <laughs> Have you been shooting anything lately? I'm like, yeah, let me come show you some stuff. So go down to Santa Monica, hang out, have a good lunch. Let me see what you've been working on. So I, I show her some, some prints that I was beginning to make. It was a really small series of, at that time, uh, a lot of um, African-American kids were getting their haircuts with logos in them, Nike, Adidas. Right. Right. Yep. Um, they have the, car- the lines and the yeah, and the, cartoon characters, yeah, cartoon characters right? and arrows. And- yeah, so I happened to be in line at for a concert for a Public Enemy concert, and the guy standing in front of me, the one at Hollywood, uh, the Hollywood Bowl, uh, was at the Palladium. Palladium, yeah. Oh, I was, yeah, yeah, right, yeah. And this guy standing in front of me had the Public Enemy logo cut into his head from one side all the way around the back. And if you remember the logo, it was the bullseye, right? The bullseye that, that was, was circle, that was yeah. that, that was a circle in the back, right in the back of his head, and then "Public Enemy" was written around the side. I'm like, oh my god, that's amazing! Here's my card. Tell me you had a camera. Oh, I was gonna say no, nope. <laughs> nope. Um, I would love to photograph you. So we connected. He came over, and I made portraits of of, of him in his head, like three, right? So you can see all three uh-huh. sides. And, and so that was, a, and then I made it one where a guy had a cartoon character. I forget what Garfield, the cat was cutting his head. Oh. And so I had, I had, a, you know, a few of the, and the, another guy with Tweety Bird. Wow. And so I had, I had a collection of these images. So yeah, so this is the kind of stuff I've been working on. And she's like, oh man, these are really cool. But I don't think that we could use these in the paper promotion. So I'm like, okay, let me go think about it for a little bit. Called him back the next day. I said, so 
what if we were to project typography onto people's body parts? It's like, oh, that sounds interesting. Uh, can you test it? Can you give me what sense what it looks like? I said, okay. So went and found a Norman Trilight, put a slide in. Oh, and she, she created the, the, the typography. Okay, right? all right. And because I didn't have any kind of skills in Illustrator or anything to be consider myself to be able to do anything at that point. And I, I put it in. I found a, a guy who was my mom's hairstylist who was bald. At that time, being bald was not a big thing. Yeah. Right? It's pre-Michael Jordan being bald. Right. And, and so I got him to come, and I projected this thing on his head and, and made, made an image. And I'm like, oh, shit, this is really beautiful. What was the illustration? Uh, it had a circle on it with, 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 with type un- encircled. Okay. Um, multiple concentric rings of type. And then uh, another type that was going vertically down. So it was a kind of circle with the, with the stripes coming down. All right. Did and you I, like the side of his face, the back of his uh, head? I, the top of his head. So I had him bending oh. down, and I put the, that on, on the top. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. And so took that, made a print, and we were in business. So I did a Gilbert paper promotion where she did all the typography for her. And I'm I'm projecting it on body parts of people. It was phenomenal. It was amazing. It was amazing. Super cool. Oh, see that that's where experimenting makes all the joy of what we do. Like you could have done the normal stuff, and it would look like every other stuff. Yeah. But that that experimenting is what separates you from everybody and gives you that interesting look. I felt I had to do it. Right, so, and there was a shift at that time. You and I are about the same age, twenty six, twenty seven. Yep. Right. So yep. At exactly. That, at that time, there's there's a huge shift in the way imagery is being looked at. For sure. I mean, I go back to looking at stuff. I used I used to have a job at Bullocks as a kid, and it was very Ralph Lauren and clean and mm-hmm. all the you know hundred percent beautiful, and there was no mistake. And then there became this thing in the nineties where it had shifted. Mm-hmm. There was now interesting lights and gels, and they were using a 50-millimeter lens instead of shooting it with a 135 of yeah. compression. Like, it was shifting. Chris Callis. Yes. Right? The, guy, the, the magician with lights. Yeah. yeah, 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 for sure. And it was interesting to be... It was a great time because you felt like it was okay to really try and push boundaries, right? right. The other part of it was... Um, I felt like I had to create work that was different than everybody else, right? Um, so as I'm beginning to, uh, to move towards graduation, I remember the same instructor that I had this amazing relationship in the second semester that saw me make this really great print. So I'm getting ready to graduate, and he says, so what are you thinking about, you know? And I'm like, well, dude, you know, Rolling Stone, Vanity Fair, blah, blah, blah. You know, all, all the big magazines, right? Because that's every, where everyone else wants to go, mm-hmm. right? And he said, well, have you, have you thought about, like, Ebony Magazine and Jet Magazine? So Ebony and Jet Magazine are black magazines. Right. Right? And no, they weren't what I was thinking about because my work didn't deserve to be in there. Right? Wow. So why are you thinking that? 
Oh, because I knew that my work that I made was of a higher level that would that would be in, in in those magazines, and I didn't think that the art directors would appreciate what I did. I'm trying to think, like, so at that point, they're they've they've had a change too, right? Rap music is really yeah, but Ebony and Ebony and Jet magazine. 70s and 80s. I mean, oh, the, 70s and 80s, yeah. Yeah, right. So so those those magazines are basic. Right. Right? There's very there's, simple. There's no innovation. No. Right? No interesting typography, no image use, uh, interesting use of imagery no, at all. At all. And so, it's one of those things where you realize that he didn't see me in a place to make work for those other magazines and that this is the place where I, I think that you might find entry into being a, a photographer okay i have no desire to be there right right i i understand why you might think that that might yeah. be a place for me to enter but i have no desire to be there and and the quality of my work also has no desire to be there so and and i was also partially informed by another really great commercial photographer black guy had a studio in van nuys i was doing some assisting for him bobby holland Huge career, doing a lot of R&B stuff and all that. And I remember having these conversations with him where he would go, I'm shooting this Michelob Gold ad campaign, and it's only for the African-American market. Period, right? My work is, I'm obviously by the work that I create, I'm capable of making this other work. But right. they're not considering me for anything else. At the same time, He's, he's the only African-American being considered for that work amongst a bunch of other white guys that are being considered for that work for the African-American market. Right? Huh. So it didn't, it, it, it right, didn't go right. both ways. It didn't go both ways at all. And, and so part of my thought about that, so I'm having that kind of interaction as I'm beginning to graduate, which informed the kind of portfolio that I made. I'm like, I'm certainly not going to make a portfolio that is black. I know. Because I, I will be immediately placed in a particular place that I don't want to be. Right. Right. So I made sure that my, my portfolio was really diverse in style and in terms of content of people that I photographed so that I wouldn't be pigeonholed. And then I said, I don't want anyone to mistake or not give me entry based on an assumption based on my name. So I don't think of Everard as being a a, a, a black name, but it's certainly a, a, a name that's not often used or seen or heard, right? right? And so I was like, you know, maybe my my best tactic here is to have a portfolio, have a brand identity that is other than my name, so that the portfolio enters in with a name attached to it that is not a name of, of a person. It's like a brand name, right? Mm -hmm. And you were thinking of that then. That is amazing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, I had business cards made with this name already on business cards. What was the name? Zero Gravity. X-E-R-O-G-R-A-V-I-T-E. -E. What year is this? 1988. Wow. You're thinking like... The kids are, people are today where you're putting, a, making a brand. Had to. Yeah. You know, you're thinking Banksy, right? You're just, yeah, yeah, you're yeah. not a person. You're the yeah. brand. I, I had to be, I had to be something so that, so 
in an effort for my work to be considered equally, right? So if my work goes in, there's no identifier as who this person is. Right. The work doesn't identify any particular leaning Rolling or anything. Stone has no idea no who clue. that is. No clue. So if you if you go, I dig this guy's work. Then then we have a conversation about making the work. Really, they don't even know if you're a guy. They don't it know. Could be a South Korean left-handed woman. Yep, hundred percent. Don't know. Interesting. Yeah. Playing that card, making them just go buy them buy this brand. Had to. By, by the by the by the work that this that this brand makes. Mm-hmm. Whoa, how did it work? Uh, I think I only had regrets later on in my career that I didn't use my name initially. Okay. Um. So doing that allowed me to get work and get work consistently to the degree that, um, I could find a rep. Okay. Um, and then. I think I was I I was using that branding for a while while you know while I was with the rep and then made the switch to um, using my name more because he, making it easy for him to not have to explain this whole weird thing right. right now you're representing me and there's a whole lot of other benefits that I get from you representing me you obviously believe that I'm capable and so on and so forth the work demonstrates that um, and um, and there's also you know leveraging his reputation and all, all those kinds of things. So those, 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 the, that initial branding and stuff that I could begin to kind of let kind of go by the wayside. Wow. Yeah. And so I would say by the late nineties that I would had business cards that were no longer zero gravity that were now Everard Williams. About 10 years, eight, yeah. eight nine, 10 years. Yeah. 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 Was there ever, was there ever a, a thought where you're like, oh my God, I'm making images, but no one's going to know who I am. Like, I'm going to walk into this room as Williams and they're going to be like, ah, oh, we're looking for gravity. Where the hell's gravity? Um, no, it never did. Okay. And because if they're, if they're, if they're, if they're calling me into the room and they're, and they're responding to the book, then they've called, they've called the phone number and I'm responding to that. So I'm like, okay, I'll be over there. Right. I'll and, be there. Yeah, and, and, then, and then, here I am. Here I am, <laughs> and then and then we and then we then we work through what is it that you want me to work on, you know, and and so it, it worked. It worked okay. It worked okay. How were those nineties for you? Nineties were rocking. What did you enjoy? What pro? What what brands or clients were you just like? Oh, I'm in love with you. This is great work. Well, so because there's meat and potatoes work, right? We know that. I didn't have meat and potatoes work. Ooh, you kept away from meat and potatoes? No. It didn't, meat and potatoes didn't exist for me in the way that it exists for most of people, right? So when I think of meat and potatoes work, I'm thinking um, you're doing some catalogs and right. some, you know, it's maybe some executive portraits and stuff like that. The work that I was getting was all based off the wacky work that was in the portfolio. Wow. How was that? I mean, just... Was it keeping it's, you busy? It's, during the 90s, I was crazy. But it's a double-edged sword, right? Yes, always. Right, so when... when this, yeah. flow, having flow. So when I was doing a lot of projection stuff, and at some point I'm like, fuck, I'm going to die and end up a retired guy working as a projectionist in a movie theater. Right? Yeah, you'll be the projection right. guy. So, and I'm like... What I provide people are creative solutions. It happens that this is the creative solution that I'm into right now. And what you realize, or what I realized, is 
um, that, that when people call you to do something, they think that they've got the greatest application for what it is that you do. And they don't realize that you've been around the fucking block with all of this stuff. And it's beginning to lose its interest. Mm-hmm. And so when you propose an alternative way of beginning to illustrate a particular idea, it doesn't always go the right way because they have an expectation because of what they thought they were going to get when they hired you. So if I propose something that's not, not projection, they might be reluctant and, you know, so you, know, you end up going back to projection and then you, you lose your enthusiasm about it and stuff like that, right? So there, there's always the challenge of um, when, when, you, when you're making fringe work is that you have to understand that there's a cycle to the fringe and that you may be in and out of favor. And so in terms of the longevity of a career, that's something that you have to try and figure out. Right. Yeah. We're in those 90s because the change is coming, right? There's that term digital. Sure. It's being whispered about like some dirty word amongst photographers, yeah, Kodak's yeah. making stuff. Yeah. Were you still shooting your projections four by five or two and a quarter? What were you doing? Yeah, four, five, two, quarter. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And then so... Was there any change in gear? Were you getting better lenses, better? Obviously, the film was getting a little better. You, film, film, film getting better. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm doing all the n- not normal things to film, right? So I'm often cross-processing it or doing something else wacky to it or, or, or something. So mm-hmm. evolution of film was not as imp- impactful for me because it wasn't about... Because you were... You were yeah, you were doing opposite to it. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, right. So, so I'm... So, just just a sense the the portfolios that I'm making to show to show people are all color Xerox. Huh. It wasn't about making a perfect print because I didn't need to. It was about the idea and the illustrative quality of what I'm representing. See, that's that's the extreme because there's so many clients they wanted to see perfection in the book because they wanted you to produce perfection. But you're like showing, no, this is the wildness I'm going to create for you. This, this, this itself is its own perfection. Yeah. Wow. As busy as you were in the 90s, what are you thinking the next decade? Now you're getting a little older and you're thinking, okay, where, what, where am I going to? I... You know, I, I wish I was a forward-thinking guy at that time. I just wasn't. You're just eating up as much work as you could? Um, yeah, and, 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 and then also noticing that my that things are beginning to trail off. Right. Right. Cause that's so dot com bubble happens and all that kind of stuff. We get into early two thousands and I'm watching my career not as relevant, not as busy. And for the, a, a whole host of, of reasons. Was that painful? Oh, for sure. Oh, Oh yeah. Well, you know, I mean, I've been there. It happens. It, it happens. And, and at that time, my wife and I didn't talk about those kinds of things, right? You know, so, but fortunately, she had a stable job and she was making good money as a nurse at, at Kaiser and all that kind of stuff. And so we were we were managing, but I'm I'm thinking about that stuff, and I'm also thinking about is this the result of of I wanted to have more work that would allow me to keep supporting the family in the way that I wanted to support them, but I perceived that my agent didn't want me to make that kind of work, right? The bread and butter work that you referred to, mm-hmm. right? And so, so the questions that I was being to, to ask, I guess, was, I know this bread and butter work is out there. I know that I'm capable of doing it. 
my agent at the time has a a collection of 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 photographers who as a collective would be termed um uh photo illustrators for the most part right and so you find yourself in 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 situations where you might be in a bidding war amongst your other other friends right great for the great for the rep- representative because Right. Uh, if 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 I get the gig, I'm getting it. Doesn't matter who gets right. it. I'm getting this job. And I and and then I feel like I don't have someone that's got my back. That's really going to fight for me to get this gig. Right. Right. Go with this client. Y- yeah, yeah, yeah. This guy's the best guy. Yeah. He can do it. I'm sure. Whatever, whatever the case may be. Right. Damn. And so so you you see that begin to happen, and then you know, uh, the nature of the work was maybe going out of favor. Mm-hmm. You know, or you say stagnant or whatever. I considered trying to find a, an, another another agent. I looked and, and found somebody that was interested, but didn't didn't make the the leap. And then my agent says, "Hey, you know, can I come over and talk to you?" So he came over to the house and said, "You know what? I think it's good for us to part ways." So I'm like, "Okay." Nothing like a breakup. Nothing like a breakup, right? <laughs> this shit's a marriage, right? Yeah, so, it so, is. So, so so it's a divorce thing. Um, and at that time I was teaching two or three classes at art center as an adjunct. You, you already yeah. in the nineties. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I looked at my, I pulled up my, my record of employment there. Right. So I've been full time since about 2003 or That's four. What I saw the full time, but I didn't know when the, the yeah. dabbling. Started. So I graduated in 89. I started teaching in like 93, 94. That quickly. Yeah. Wow. Not because I was a good teacher. Right, right. It was because a friend of, of mine who I graduated with, who's a, an amazing teacher, and I would take his class when he would go on and do jobs, said, hey, I've got, we have need for another, another teacher. There's an extra section. Would you be interested? I'm like, sure. I enjoyed coming to your class. Yeah. Let me do it. Extra couple of bucks. Yeah. And so that went from one class to two classes, and they weren't in the photo department, which was cool, because I was, I was dealing with people that wanted to learn photography, but that weren't jaded because they thought they knew everything already. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Isn't that nice? Yeah. And then I then uh, started teaching a class in the photo department. So I had I had three classes at adjunct and kind of all stacked them on one day. And, and so that would left most of my week free. So I was getting a little a little money in from that as my other part of my, my life and career was beginning to decline. And then there was an upheaval at the at Art Center and... Um, yeah. They were out with the, the, the chair at the time, or chair, co-chairs at the time. And then I was asked to, to step in to be interim chair while they were in the process of looking for a new chair. So I, I did that. When the new chair came on, we hit it off really well. And he said, you know, why don't you go ahead and stay in full time? And by, by now, I'm, I'm a year and a half in of working full time. I had never really worked full time at that kind of level mm-hmm. ever in my life. Um, and I'm like, Okay. I, I I can I think I can do this. So and and that's kind of how I've been placed in in that environment and that's and, and that's where I am now. I'm I'm happy as a clam. Was it did you kind of take to that first couple of classes and years that you kind of take to teaching? Did it kind of come natural? Yeah. I I can't explain it. It just did. It did. Yeah. I felt comfortable. Sometimes it's a communications thing. You could just communicate a to Z, simply enough. That, that was the hardest. That was the thing that was 
probably the, the hurdle, right? Because it's easy for me to go from A to D. I know what the process is. Now I need to break down the process so I'm not missing any letters when I communicate it. Uh, uh-huh. That 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 became. The, Sorry about those vowels I left. Yeah, out. yeah, yeah, yeah. Ex- exactly, exactly. <laughs> Your I'm, stuff I'm a, will never look yeah, right. I'm 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 consonants only. <laughs> you know, that's all I that's all I know. Um, yeah, that that was that was. But once I understood that, you know, mm-hmm. that how I needed to communicate so that there weren't any misgaps, right? I couldn't make an assumption that they would automatically make a leap to the next, the next day. Right, right. They, they didn't know. They didn't know. Mm-mm, they didn't know. So you really have to teach the whole process yeah, yeah, yeah. simply. Yeah. yeah. Once you got that down, I mean, was it, did you put all your chips in and go like, I- I'm going to stay here? No. Didn't think about kinda... it. Oh, for sure. Because my, my, intention, my, my intention when I was interim chair, I had a conversation with the people in HR. I said, I'm only looking to do this for the time that it takes to find a, per, a replacement. And then I will help transition them in, blah, 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 blah. And then I'm going to go back and, and reconstitute a freelance career. That was my intention. I wasn't expecting that I was going to stay. And now look at you. I know. Yeah. I'm stuck. No, <laughs> Hell, I'm not stuck. More than stuck. No. You're great. I, I enjoy it. Yeah. I, I do enjoy it, for sure. I've, I've reached out to several people, and they just said wonderful things. So, yeah. Oh, you did? Oh, I did. Oh, man. Yeah, I'm not giving up names. Oh, uh, off, off, when we're off the podcast. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm curious. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, there were some people that were like, oh, my God. Yeah, fantastic. Well, that and, you know, it's the place right now. If you're in Southern California, like, and you want to learn, you yeah. want to learn at a scale, like you said. Sure. Boot camp, in, deep end, no lifeguard, go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the place. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. Because everything else is wishy-washy. When, when you're teaching, were you teaching as if when somebody else used to teach you? Like, where did you get your teaching hat? Like, oh, this woman taught this way. I'm going to take a little piece of her teaching style. Because, right, because teaching is a style. Like, how was that for you? Because I've had great teachers so, and I've had horrible yeah. teachers who are wonderful photographers. They just couldn't teach. Yeah. Um, so initially, uh, in those classes that were not in the photo department, um, my friend kind of said, these are, the, these are the things that I cover in my assignments. So Because I wanted to make sure that what he was teaching week for week was the same that I was teaching week for week. Mm-hmm. Um, so the only thing that changes is how I deliver it. Right. My, my vernacular, my, how, all, all that kind of stuff. Right. So, so the content was the same. Um, I just put my flavor on it. Okay. And, and so I think, um, that is a place that I find myself probably now, which is, uh, that I put a flavor on the way people have taught in the past. Um, I've certainly modified it quite a quite a bit right. for sure. Right, we're talking twenty years now. Yeah, You're a different monster. Yeah, um, but You're a different person. I'm a different person, um, but I think that um, you're dealing with. And you know what's interesting? You're dealing with different kids. Kids from 1999. Kids 21. Totally different kids. Oh, completely different animals. Holy crap! Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh. And imagine how we were. Yeah. And, and, and different kids with a different expectation of what a learning experience is. Right. Right. And even since, you know, I was full time, you know, till, till now, there's been a, a big change because at that time in the early 2000s, there weren't digital natives. No. Right. 
No, and, not and, at and, all. And now, now you have digital natives that experience the world in a completely different way. The one of the values I think that I that I bring is that back to curiosity. I'm always kind of peeking under some kind of hood somewhere, right? And so uh, in the 2009, when Twitter's kind of coming online, I had a friend that was a former student that was now teaching at Art Center. He went to a conference in, in, in Austin, South by Southwest Interactive Conference. And he was having a Twitter experience, and he's like, "It was so amazing. I would, I would be on tweeting on, and, and I'm walking in the room, and I felt like I had a community of people that were that knew me and all this kind of stuff, right?" And I'm like, "Really? This is interesting." So, I went to my boss at the time, and I said, "So there seems to be this kind of thing happening in Austin once a year, technology conference." Um, do you think we can figure out a way for me to go? I went the next year, changed my life. That, and I went from 2010, continuous till 2018 with one break, and only because I got sick and had to go in the hospital and pissed that. (laughs) I was pissed as hell, man. It's like, this is an interruption to what I, you know, Certainly being in the hospital for what I had, because it was a, a, a slow-growing tumor, it could wait till after I got back from the fucking conference. I've got something more important to do. This shit's, this shit's real. This, <laughs> this shit's... A, my, I, this shit is... Dep- I depend on being able to go there and have this experience because the experience was so rich and you could see that the <laughs> things that were being talked about we're going to manifest in really important ways. I could just imagine you telling your doctor, not right now. I have got to get the test. I didn't tell my doctor. I did tell my wife. Oh, that's good. That's I'm good. like, really? It can wait. <laughs> she's like, I don't think so. <laughs> Sweetheart, no, you're, and you're delirious. Well, and, and, you know, so she's a nurse. My dad's a doctor. I come from a medical kind of environment. Right? Uh, <laughs> and I'm like, okay. But in my heart, I knew that the tumor wasn't going to change much between the time that I got back. (laughs) It'll be there. It's going to be there. It's not going to make me fall out or anything. I'll be okay. What was the earth-shattering moments there that just made you go, holy crap, there's there's a lightning rod here, and i got to put my arms on it? Uh, I remember when I had a realization in my head that the, the MFA was going to be the new MBA. Um, a realization that the rate of graduation from MBAs across the country and world was so much that that it devalued the special nature of an MBA. Hmm. Um, It was at a time where MOOCs were being discussed, large online classes, you know, hundreds of thousands of people. So I was watching how an online experience was beginning to happen. I was watching how MIT and Stanford and Harvard at the very beginning at that time were devoting, I think they said like $15,000 per class for them to develop online content, which is then going to be delivered free. Right. Right. So I'm like, okay. We're in for an interesting time. Right. It's, it's, it's changing. Yeah. Game, Game changing. Cha- absolutely. Right. And so, and then you have the social networks, right? Instagram wasn't a thing yet. Nope. MySpace. Uh, MySpace was, I think Facebook was beginning to, to build, but it wasn't like the behemoth that it became. Right. 
Um, Twitter was kind of was was a th- was a thing, but it, you but know, it was peop- very new. It was very new. People were tweeting about their food, right? right. And, and, Companies and, weren't involved. wasn't corporate. wasn't political. It's 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 much like um, crypto is now, and blockchain is now, where people don't see what the underlying value will be, and so they discount it, especially NFTs. Like it's it's there's no there there, and I'm like, okay, well you said that about Instagram. You said that about Facebook. You said that about YouTube. Go down the category of, of, of powerful online platform. And you always said that at the beginning. I don't, sure. I don't know that I would discount that, right? If you have that as your a historical track record, then I think it's an important thing to watch and a very important thing to be informed about. Were you coming back every year with something new that you were just like, guys, you'll never believe this. Holy crap. Uh, yeah, and I would have those conversations with, with the chair at that time. Um, but it wasn't a larger conversation that we had department-wide. Um, uh, so, uh, you know, I, but it, 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 it helped inform me about kind of what are the tools that might be required for someone to find themselves as a successful photographer. Right, right. it was... Was Art Center implementing that at the time? Because it's it, with anything in education, it's tough to say, like, guys, we have to pivot. Yeah. Um, so Art Center is unlike most institutions in that we can pivot really quick, much quicker than most. Oh. But um, I don't think. I would say jet ski to, to Titanic yeah, yeah, yeah. portions. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but I don't think that many people had an understanding of, of what the impact of what digital was was going to mean for us now oh, I- right we, we, we saw the impact of digital you know from 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 digital capture with small megapixel cameras so on and so forth also how it began to um, I'll, I'll use the word decimate stock photography right right and I think that many people looked at any digital encroaching on, on, on photography is going to be some decimation of something, right? And it's change for sure. Decimation is relative to which side of it that you're on, right? If, you're, if you are a, an old person that's trying to make the transition into understanding how digital works, you'll look at it and go, this is probably decimating to me and my career and my future. I don't understand it. I'm, I'm a late adopter. I really want to go back to the ways that I know. And if you're coming out of school and you have an understanding of what the power of Facebook and how to play the game, right? You go, this time is amazing. I've had students that have graduated. I had one student, I'm trying to remember when she graduated. I want to say somewhere in the teens, 2000, in the teens somewhere. Probably 14-ish or something, right? She she got Instagram, and she worked the hell out of Instagram. So by the time that she graduates, she has thirty thousand followers, and at that time, thirty thousand like this. How the what? Yeah, right. That's Kardashian numbers. Like wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, and she was so calculating and so smart, and so she was very deliberate. Right. Um, I need to follow the people that I want to work with. They need to know that I exist, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she understood how to work 
the algorithm at that time, because it's always something that's always changing, right? into something that helped her manifest a really great career. And she's got an amazing career, largely because of how she understood the technology while she was in school, how she started to make work, how she started to deliver that work so people could see it, and how to leverage that into, into a, a, a really great career, right? Then fl- flash to probably, I want to say a year and a half ago, I have another student, a, a person that came in with an Instagram following, probably at the same level that that person left, right? But he's got, he's got community, right? By the time he graduates, he's at 70. And, you know, you know so, now, so, so now he's got a community. His, his engagement's super high. He knows the kind of work that his community likes. And now he's leveraging that into a career where he has an agent and all, and all that kind of stuff, right? So I, was, I, I love these new tools, but it's new tools for an old game. Mm-hmm. The game doesn't change. No. Tools to change. Right. Right. So how do I adopt these? And, and that's, that's it's still where. still baseball. It's, I, I've had that same now. Yeah, it's yeah. still baseball. But we've gone from wooden bats to aluminum bats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now we're going to carbon fiber. Yeah, it's yeah. It's just. 100%. The game's still the same. It's, it's still the same. Our books, our Instagram. When you use, I, yeah. you and I used to haul those babies oh, yeah, around. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Ship them FedEx the yeah. whole nine yards. Oh, and just please, please, can you ship them back? Yeah. That'd be really nice. Yeah. Yeah. Don't keep it. <laughs> yeah. 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 And if you are going to pass it around, at least pass it around to somebody who's going to get me work. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's it. That's, yeah. that's the difference. It's- but it's, it's it, you know, so I think my, my, my advantage is that I like that new shit. And I think about that new shit and how does it, how can it work in this in this new environment? Do you know how rare you are to say that? I mean, you're sitting here. You got, you. You've I've got, got gray hair. You've yes, got gray hair. But you got battle scars. You've you've done it, and you understand it, right? Like that's the difference. There's a lot of people with the battle scars, and they go, eh, not my thing. Very talented people. They don't need to. And just like eh, but the, but but their time slipped away. Like they may not be working as much as they once were, and now they're relying on a, an assistant or a PR person to work their their Instagram because they have no idea how that works. Yeah, yeah, it's I know quite a few of them. Yeah, yeah, no, I I, I get it, and, and and that that is wrought with its own kind of its own kind of minefield, right? Because I think the success of, of engagement with any of those platforms is the authenticity of the person that's delivering the content. Right. Right. And so if you're relying on someone else to write your post and upload stuff, you're one step removed from what you really thought and what you really want to say. You, you, you may be parroting it out for somebody, but still, it's, it's, it's still different, right? Were you good when you got in front of a client? Were you good to communicate with them? Your idea? Like, can you sit down and go like, okay, man, I can, tr- I can tell you everything we're going to do here and it's going to work out. And they, they got your idea? Good enough to get jobs, sure. Yeah, I, it's it's different now because, so I really exited the game before it was a requirement to do treatments. Right, right. Treatments is a whole another beast. A whole another beast. Yeah, I, I'm. I find it interesting now. Like, I watch some of the young kids I kind of mentor. They have a hard time with that because they're used to emojis or quick conversation, and they can't sit in front of the art director and communicate. So it's like weird, like. <laughs> You and I have to constantly learn the new technology. These kids grow up in it. 
we can communicate an idea. They know the technology really well and they can't communicate it sometimes. I don't know that I'm in a position to make that evaluation. Um, and maybe it's me uh, with rose-colored glasses on thinking that the kids that go through our program can communicate an idea effectively. I'd like to think that. I, I Is that something you part on them? There are certainly, is it me in particular? Probably no. I mean, we talk about work, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And so you have to be able to talk about the work in the classroom. And, and it will be a technical conversation, but it will also be, and should be in every class, a, a conversation about where's the idea coming from, right? How does this relate to what it is that you said you were going to do? Um, did it deliver and all, and all that kind of stuff? Um, so, but I, but I, but I would also say that even those conversations can be even more challenging now, um, because I think that we are in this place of transition between an evaluation of work purely based on technical prowess and and evaluating the work based on the relevant ideas that it contains, right? And and so. Um, as you enter into a time frame where the goal for many art and design colleges like Art Center, when you want a diverse community of people to come in, and you don't have diversity in terms of the teachers, you run up against that all the time, okay. right? Because they're producing content that's relevant to them, mm-hmm. and I don't know how to address it. And as a teacher, I don't want you to know that I don't know how to address it. So I'll address it based on something that I know, which might be the technique, which may not be really be relevant. Right. And so, because yeah. it's, it's a, it's yeah. really critical that the information be communicated. It, it's a, it's so the, the opportunity is to have the opportunity is having hard, those hard conversations so that instructors feel conversant and not afraid to say, I don't know that I understand it and, and asking for an explanation and saying, and, and being okay with learning something, something new. Cause right. you, you know, the role of a teacher is, you know, the all knowing one, right. You're supposed, you're teaching because you know mm-hmm. so much mm-hmm. and you know more than me. And now we find ourselves in situations where sometimes they come in knowing some shit that you just don't quite know. And how, do, how do I, how do I make sure that what I say is important and relevant to them even though I may not have all the information. So it means that not only are you asking students to be learners, you're asking yourself to be a constant learner. Right. Right. And, and, and you know. Well, you seem like someone to embrace that. Like you seem like a sponge. Uh, I try to be. I'm Like I said, curiosity is kind of how I, how, you know, how I run things. It's a great thing to have. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you should be learning from them. And it should just be this whole, like, we're going to sit down and what's your typical class size? 10. Yeah, you should be. 10, 12. Yeah, you guys Maybe should. 15. It depends. It depends seven on the or eight of you kind of just bantering great ideas about uh, it's, it's, it. It's so it's. So uh, I don't know if I said this earlier. For some reason, I think that I did. Um, maybe it was before we turned on the mics. <laughs> but I am a huge consumer of print media. I'm at a magazine stand once, if not twice a week. God love you. Which one? Uh, I will go from to Romans in Pasadena. Okay, it's not. It's 
it's adequate. Uh, my favorite one is Centerfold on Fairfax, just north of Melrose. Mm-hmm. Used to be really great. Seems to be like maybe under new management and different now, but still one of the one of the the better ones locally. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a great bookstore. I want to say Starlight or something on Vermont. Can't remember the name. I may okay. be getting it wrong. And they've got a lot of great alternative magazines. And then there's always Book Soup. But you're thinking, what, once a once a week you're in there? just Yeah, I, so my typical Sunday is I'll go have breakfast. I have, a, I have a standing 8 o'clock breakfast with a former co-teacher, and we sit down and, and have, a, have a breakfast every Sunday. That's fantastic. I get in the car, and I go to Melrose, and I go scour the racks. What are you looking for? Uh, I typically would go to some fashion magazines, okay. typically, mm-hmm. in large part because it's the place where the most experimentation happens, right? So I'm, and I'm looking to see who's doing what. Okay. Um, Are you still peeking at bylines? Always. Yeah. Yeah. And I will take a picture while I'm there. Um, I will make a note in my phone who's doing what. I will follow them on Instagram while I'm in the store. Um, all that kind of stuff, just so that stuff is rolling through my feed. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'll make it through automobile magazines. Interesting. Yeah. Most of the good automobile magazines are not on the newsstand. There's a whole, I have a whole conversation about magazines. <laughs> yeah. Um, I can't wait for lunch. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's gonna be good. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> we got time, but that—that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think magazines are the most untapped resource oh. for a photographer ever. Absolutely. Right, because you don't get the same information coming through your feed. You get to see a great image, right? But the context in which it was used is is often missing, uh-huh. right? So. And when you look at it in the magazine, um, you can say, oh, I can see my work being in this magazine, which is great. So you can kind of then go to the masthead and scrape all the imp- important information off of that. And, and then you can also see who your competition is. That's great information because then you can go to the competition, look at their website and scrape off who their clients are. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And then you can look at all the advertisers in there because it is driven by demographics and those advertisers would not be there if they did not think that the people that look at this magazine would be relevant. Right. Right? And so if I see myself being in that magazine, that means I also can see myself representing any one of those brands. Right. Right? And so you can begin to do the brand research to understand who the brand is, what the brand conversation is, what they're about, and all that kind of stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's big. You're not going to find a Gap ad in Lowrider magazine. You just got to know who the market is. Yep. And that's, 100%, yeah, 100%. And that's perfect. It's, it's, it is so un, un, untapped. I, I had a conversation with, there's an organization, organization called the Society for Publication Designers, SPD. And they're, they have, it's, a, it's a, a, a nonprofit based in New York. Um, and it's one of those things where the, the publication designers, editorial designers will submit their stuff for, you know, awards and all that kind of stuff. Right, right. right. Um, and I had a conversation with her last year. And 
she was talking about, you know, how things, the trends and all this kind of stuff and things are beginning to disappear and just, you know, just kind of energy seems kind of low. And I'm like, that's funny. I'm at a magazine store once or twice a week. She's like, what? Really? I'm like, oh, yeah. I'm doing it for me. Right. And I'm doing it for the students. Right. And I went on to tell her all that information that I think is critical. And I said, the nature of the magazines have changed. Right. So there was the weekly. There was the monthly. Right. Those are magazines that are driven by advertising content. Right. Now, with the advent of magazines like Kinfolk and Serial and all these other magazines that come out quarterly, that position themselves not as a magazine per se, but as a journal. Right. Right. And a journal designed in such a way that you want to put on your coffee table to show the kind of person that you are. So they exist in a completely different form, right? And so I see that there is this interesting trend for those kinds of magazines to exist where they minimize how much advertising they have to support because they're going to charge you 30 bucks per issue. If I'm charging people 30 bucks per issue, I'm less dependent on having to fill all my pages with irrelevant right. advertising. Just ads. And, and, and in that position, I can position... The, the editorial staff can position themselves as w- the advertisements that we do take, we will construct them so that they are appropriate for a viewing audience, right? Because just because you're a Rolex ad doesn't mean that it means the visual sophistication that some of these, these magazines support in a way that, they, that they, the magazine wants them to support. So, so now they can begin to kind of control a lot, a lot of different things but then they're not obligated to have a whole bunch of people. They can get people in that will abide by their their their, their code of conduct, right. so to speak, right? And I find those magazines really interesting. So the automobile magazines that I I find, I, I have found on Instagram, there's one called Road Rat, and there's another one called Ramp, and there's another one. These are all magazines that you would never find on newsstand. Right, you're right? not going to find them. And they're big, thick journals, amazing imagery, um, amazing design attached to it, right? And as I have students that come through that have aspirations for shooting automotive, it's like, oh, well, not only consider Road and Track, because I think Road and Track is the currently the best newsstand automotive publication, bar none, because they decided to make a change from, let me tell you what the G-force is that I can go around a curve, and let me tell you a story about these communities of car lovers. It's about story at the end of the day. Oh, absolutely. Right? Absolutely. So so they recognize that all that um, tech jockey stuff, you can get on the web. Yeah. Right? Don't need it. Don't, don't need it. So we're going to make a path and go, what is something that you're not going to get on the web? What is something that is relevant to a person that loves cars, that understands and loves car culture, and is curious about other elements of car culture that they may not be participant in, but they're adjacent to that they don't know about, right? And so if you look at the history of that magazine over the last 18 months, you see that it's full of stories that are not about the perfectly executed lighting circumstance in a psych, you know, the whole nine yards, mm-hmm. right? where it's much more about the community that's supporting this particular narrative or the individual that's doing this or whatever, right? And those, and so it opens up a whole different opportunity for 
automotive photographers that really didn't exist in the same way. Right. right? Yeah. There's avenues for you. Yeah. There was there was a, a, a European magazine probably early two thousands, mid two thousands called Car. And it was it was and and, and the editorial uh, staff of Car would hire fashion photographers to shoot automotive stuff. Yeah, so Craig McDean would shoot stuff in that magazine. Dope. Super cool. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Are they still around? I don't know. I haven't seen them in such a long time. I, I, I used to find it at um, the Mocha bookstore. Okay. So you go in the bookstore and they would have a few magazines there and that you might find an issue of car in there. I, I would pick it up there. Uh, I don't know if it still still exists or not. Wow. Uh, was it car? I'm, I may be getting it. So there's a, there's a, there's an, a, a UK version, a, a, a magazine called car. Mm-hmm. I may be, getting this the name mixed up but there's okay. there's one that craig mcdean shot for that was an automotive magazine that probably was the real predecessor for this idea of finding interesting photographers to do interesting work coupled with a long-form narrative and about community and storage story driven as opposed to spec driven like most right. magazines were at the time right yeah yeah wow that that god we need more of that yeah yeah i would love to see Bigger conversations happening around the importance of of print. Yeah, it's, it's, I have I have a, one of my classes. Today's Wednesday, so my class tomorrow night. So, we're, I'm bringing some magazines that they normally wouldn't find to have that conversation about the importance of magazines and how to exploit the great magazine selection that we have up at at, at Art Center, along with finding stuff at these other places. But just you know. As you as you begin to not only look for those magazines and then begin to follow them, then the algorithm says, "Oh, so you like that shit? Mm-hmm. Let here's me, some more of it. Yeah, exactly. And here's some other stuff. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I. It used to be the best thing about being in New York is there were so many bookstores. Mm-hmm. You go in and you just ruffle through for hours and go it's, through and read and. It's one of the things that I make sure that I do. There's a couple stores that I visit in. Because New York has the best selection, especially of fashion-driven magazines, yes. bar none. And I don't know if it's because they're close to Europe, so there's what, but it, they do. I think it's partly that. I think it's also because they have FIT just up the street, and they also have Parsons not too far away. Right. So there's a culture of fashion that's that's there that's different than what happens here in L.A. Yeah. 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 And, and it's funny. We have a joke of fashion here in L.A. because you can wear flip-flops in December, you know, if it gets to 55, people are putting on a North Face parka, and it's kind of ridiculous. <laughs> but when you're in New York, there's real fashion because you have seasons. And so you can watch, like when Bill Cunningham used to do yeah, for sure. street stuff. Absolutely. Like, you saw real fashion sense yeah. go through the seasons. That was beautiful. And, and, and people were, were willing to be more extreme in their display of fashion right. than, than they might be here. Right. Right? Um, and I think, you know, we're... we're we're a commercial entertainment town. Mm-hmm. We're not an editorial slash fashion town, right? And I think that's a, I think that's probably the big difference. Like those gentlemen you shot early on, those executives, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. If one of those guys had yellow socks on and a blue suit, it yeah. would have been like, "What the sir? Yeah, can you change? Yeah, yeah." New York, no one bats an eye. No. He lifts his leg up on the subway. Uh, oh, he rolls his pants up yeah. so you can see it. So you can see. Absolutely. It. Yeah. That's the, 
that's the one thing I do miss about New York. Yeah. And I love that fact. You know, here we have fashion, but it's not in the same it's, scale. It's 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 different. But I think I think the nature of fashion in general is just changing. Yeah. Right. Um. Because it's fashion is reflective of culture, mm-hmm. and and fashion as it's trying to reflect culture is finding how it can be adjacent to street culture, hip hop, skateboarding, right, punk. Um, See, and that's the thing too. Like when we're working heavy in the '90s, think about what was happening. Skateboarding is exploding. Oh yeah, yeah. Rap music's all over yeah. the place. Yeah. Like all these weird fusions of stuff. Yeah. So so that's that's the beginning of kind of what kind of has becomes kind of an underground fringe thing that has you know a big burst of of success with Supreme and then Union right. and Stussy and and all these other brands mm-hmm. that that have figured out a way to begin to bring something relevant to the market that people are gravitating towards in right. a really interesting way. And, and, and on top of that, the people that buy that, that, uh, that gear, that those clothes, extremely brand loyal. Oh yeah. Right? And so when, when, when fashion brands start seeing that kind of loyalty attached to, to these things that are kind of ready made, ready to wear kind of thing. And they see the volume and, and they see the strat it, it, it's, so it, it becomes this interesting mashup. So now many of those, houses are looking for people that have a connection to that community to bring them in as their you know creative director or we're going to do a collab with this person or whatever right Virgil right. Abloh or 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 um Sally Ross or 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 a whole host of other you know designers that are doing really interesting work that is not only cutting edge but has deep thought and understanding and commitment to why they're making the designs so they're not frivolous which is interesting to me now right you said Stussy, and it's always like the ebb and flow of like careers and stuff. When we're working, Stussy was really hot. Mm-hmm. In the 2000s, it, it like completely plummeted. We probably have enough pocket change to have bought Stussy in Man, 2003. Right. But now look at it. Yeah. It's revived again. Yeah, of course. It's so crazy yeah. how that happens. Yeah. It, it happens with careers and happens with houses. Yes. I have, I have not, I, so that gives me hope that I can go out back out and become a photographer again. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, okay, so what... I know you said you've never been a long-term guy, but are you thinking I'm going to do this forever? Or is there chances you're like, I still want to go work maybe Mondays and Tuesdays and I want to work. I love it when people call me and ask me to work. There's nothing more satisfying like getting a phone call like, yo, you available to do X, Y, Z. Man, super gratifying, right? Um, but, um, my focus is a different commitment now. So yeah, it's a I, much different, I, I'm committed to where I am. Um, but I'd still want to make work. Are, you got personal projects? Yeah. I have, I have personal things that I love, things that I love to make. Okay. Um, cause that keeps juices going. Yeah. It, 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 it does. Um, some might, some people might say you don't do it enough, but <laughs> are those know. the followers? Uh, well, I'm, I'm not playing, trying to play an Instagram game either, okay. right? I'm, I, I'm astonished that I have 1,300 people following me. I'm like, I, I don't post enough stuff and regular enough for there to be 1,300 people that you are interested. You got to post when you're at the bookstore. <laughs> you, you know, if I, if, if, if I, so I feel comfortable in understanding the Instagram game. I set up a separate account so that I could start from scratch and try and build something. And from scratch, over the course of a summer, I went from zero to 1,000. That's pretty good. Yeah. Not related to photography, just related to side, side interest. And just, you're like, okay, 
so I can understand the machinations of the thing. But I'm not interested in doing that on my, my, my regular. That Instagram, for me, if you look at the ratio of followers to the people I'm following, it's completely wrong, right? Right. Because I use it to follow so that the algorithm will generate more information for me to consume. Yeah, right. That's, a, that's the specific a, game I'm playing. You're using it as a tool. Yep. I want to see. Right. I want to see. And unfortunately, it makes you spend a lot of time on Instagram. But I, 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 I enjoy the experience. Well, it's your second bookstore, right? If you yeah, look, yeah. If you look at it that that's, way. That's a great way of looking at it. Yeah. For sure. That's what I do. I, 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 that's how I look at it. If I, I can't get to the bookstore. Those brands I follow, yeah. that's how I'm going to yeah. see them. Yeah, yeah. Because like you said, some have given up their magazines or they're doing quarterly, but they're still producing stuff weekly or monthly. Sure. But they're posting it. Sure. Catalogs are different or a certain brand, like Tom Snyder, whatever, like his posting stuff every day, catalog comes once a month. Right, right, right. So you follow that stuff. Yeah. That's how I utilize it. Yeah. I don't play the uh, other game of just surfing. That's It drives me nuts. I'll lose my mind. <laughs> The endless scroll. Holy moly! It's the most magnificent invention ever. Would you? Can you believe what we're doing with our thumbs today? That we're not doing twenty years. Bro, I got calluses, man. I'm good. What are you teaching right now at Art Center? What what classes do you have? Uh, I teach a portrait lighting class. Okay. Um, and I teach uh, an exiting eighth term class that really is about the transition from being a student into a working pro or whatever that next phase is, right? So in that class, that's why in that class I, I bring out those magazines so we can have a conversation mm-hmm. about th- that as an incredible resource. Um, we talk about how to research, resource potential clients, how to identify who your community is because that's going to be critical. Yeah, that's uh, um, We talk about um, how many people that you need to have on your initial list of, of potential contacts, right? Because now that you have access to if you have the luxury of spending money, ad base, or you'll have a list on, you know, from workbook or whatever the other, other sites that have lists of, of, of creatives that might be, uh, um, that you might want to send work to, you know, spray and pray, man. That's, that's not always the best thing. Cause you really, you're sending out a lot of stuff to a lot of people that is completely unnecessary. Mm-hmm. And so I try and get people to understand that if I can focus my list down to no more than 60, but preferably around 30, maybe even less, of a tightly curated group of people that you are 90% positive that if they saw your work that they would respond in a positive way. That's that's your core group. Right. Right. Yeah. What, what do you love about portraiture lighting? What, what are you teaching them that you're like, guys, this makes beautiful portraiture lighting? Because I've always I've always been a sucker for that. It's always had a soft spot in my heart. So as much as I like being a wacky, you know, photographer, I, I love the gear. I love the gear. So the things that I love are parabolic umbrellas. That's my jam. How big? Well, so since I am in charge of what we acquire at Art Center, <laughs> I make sure that we get the shit. <laughs> so we have a brown color two twenty. A brown color 170, brown color eight, uh, 88. Big boys. Yeah. Um, personally, I have um, not a brown color. So I'm always looking at 
I'm not going to buy wrong color. I understand the principle. I know what it does. Mm -hmm. Can I find something that will get me 99% there? Without the name. Without the name. So my personal equipment is all Godox. Okay. Crush. This stuff's amazing. Isn't that sad? It's so amazing. It's unbelievable. I don't think it's sad at all. Well, I mean, it's just like, like where you would, I would have said to you five years ago and you'd have been like, what? They're doing what? Yeah. Well, they I saw them at CES oh, three, four years ago. And okay. They had a little booth and they were giving them their best. And man, they are blowing up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's, 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 it's interesting. Um, you know, I think that, that brands want to create this sense of mystery about themselves, right? Ex- certainly exclusivity. That you are somebody if it is... If you're using brown color pro photo, mm-hmm. right? Um, and and they and they want to say that we are accurate, right? We are more accurate, more consistent. Our color, yeah, or yeah. this, or that, yeah. And like I said, if I'm printing a portfolio on color Xerox, your accuracy means shit to me, right? Right. I know what I want to do with the light. I make it do what it do, right? Right. End of sentence. And so that allows me the flexibility of going. I don't like Profoto anymore. I mean, I, I used to like Profoto, right? But when they went to the B1Xs and the new ones where, where the flash tube is buried inside the, inside the thing, you lost me. Because to me, it doesn't, it doesn't work inside. It doesn't work inside of a parabolic as it should. No, it doesn't. Right? It's enclosed. Correct. Um, it's not really illuminating a reflector the way that it should. The only thing that it really works on is a beauty dish, right? Because you, it hits the little flat pan and then radiates around the rest of the dish. Right. That's the only thing it really works well on. Softbox, not as much because you, it, you're still more likely to get a hot spot in the middle just because of the radiating pattern. pattern you right. Know? And so I got really frustrated with those guys. And, you know, I can get stuff at a reasonable rate because I'm an educator and so they have educational rates and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And I was about to, to buy it and then I said, you know, and I had saw the Godox. It's like, I can buy two and a half of those lights for one, for one pro photo. Yeah. Easy, and easy. it's got the flash tube dis- distributing light the way that I like it. Right. So why, why would I do pro photo? Pro photo is great in, in, in a school, and Bronco is great in a school, because as you become a working pro or assisting another working pro, it's often the equipment that you're going to be working with. Makes perfect sense. Right. Familiar. And certainly durable in a rental space circumstance, mm-hmm. right? I don't know that a Godox would be. I'm pretty sure that it wouldn't be, but because I take care of my shit, I'm not so worried about it. Right. Right. You're not throwing it around. Not, thro- not throwing it around. Right. And, and coupled with the brown color and pro photo, I can get repaired somewhere. The Godox stuff, I can't. Yeah. Right. So it becomes disposable at that point. Mm-hmm. But for my needs, it's freaking awesome yeah it works yeah it absolutely works so i love the parabolics um i started looking for parabolics some time ago found a guy uh, who has a company in la make called parabolics with an x who makes a parabolic umbrella that is actually really good um and so i bought two two different sizes and really happy with them you know bought them with grids the whole the whole nine wow yeah, you yeah. went all in yeah, i went all in and made some work that I'm really happy with. I really like it. 
But then, Godox came out with their own version of the parabolic umbrella. And when I started to look at it, it looked like it was a lift of the brown color parabolic umbrella. And there are aspects of that that I really liked. Because when you start using a lot of these battery-operated lights, the flash head itself becomes much heavier than just something that's attached to a pack. Right. And so on the parabolics, as great as it was, it kind of created a little bit of flux that I was like, I could live with this, but if there was something that didn't have the flux, I'd go there. Right. So, Yeah, that, that slow drag yeah, and yeah. drip was always a pain in the ass. Yeah, face. so I'm like, oh, well, let me look at the Godox. And I did a really quick test between that and the brown color. I, I dare anybody to really tell the difference. But there, there's a subtle difference. Yeah, but uh, not enough. Not enough that I'm that I'm going. I can't fix it. Yeah, for sure. Um, and it's uh, two thirds the price, <laughs> and it's built really well. It's built really well. Not as built as a brown color, but for what you're getting for the price, it's really overbuilt. Then you can't complain. No, I can't complain. So, so I, I introduced them to that. Um, I introduced them to, you know, the basic things that are important, like how to make sure you can light an even white background. Um, uh, things like what you can begin to do with just one light, if you only have one light available, and how you can make that look like you have more than one light. Um, how Richard Avedon's North Light is really something that you really should take into consideration because it's beautiful. So you need to practice and understand what it, that is. Overpowering daylight, you know, so you understand kind of how to begin to direct attention to something very specific in an environment and overpower daylight to do that. Um, you know, stuff like that, you know. Yeah. It, 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 so this is, this is their, it's a portrait lighting class, but it also doubles as their real introduction to strobe. Okay. Yeah, that's that. That's always kind of the mystery in photography is the portraiture and portraiture lighting because it's very difficult. That's where you try to get photographers to like work with a subject, and you're working with this other thing other than the camera. Yeah, you can screw up lights, you can screw up your subject. Yeah, and so putting those two together, and they're still trying to master the camera and themselves. We we just had that conversation yesterday. That was my class yesterday, and. It's 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 a it's a struggle for, because for many of them now you're asking them, I want you to learn how to master the technology, how to adjust the the light, how to build ratios, and how to make it all work together mm -hmm. to extract the kind of look that you want to, that you want, right? The understanding that I really can control contrast and, and the importance of being able to do so, and then introducing a person to the mix which means initially they have a very difficult time um, with the relationship piece because they're busy trying to master the technical piece and they often start by having someone come to set and they're setting up their lights at the same time right. and then they fall under the pressure of well I've been here for two hours I spent the last hour and a half getting my lights to function the way that I want and I'm not getting all that I want, and I don't want them to stay longer than the agreed upon two hours. So now I'm, you know, I, I feel this nag that, like, like I'm a nag that, I, you know, so I just go ahead and rush through it. Right. right. 
And so you hope that, that at some point they kind of get to a point where they can transition to where the mechanics are in the background and they can just do them for rote, you know, because they know what they want. They know how to make the, the, the adjustments so that now I can have a relationship with the person in front of the camera. Because ultimately what people respond to in a picture, in, in my view, is really, was there an emotional connection between the photographer and the person that's sitting from the camera? What happened, right? right? And that's what you, I want or they should want to transfer to what people see. Mm-hmm. It's not about the light. It can be, but it doesn't have to be. It really but should. It's about the, it's it's a relationship. A, yeah. 100%. Yeah, you are. You sometimes you only have moments to yep. build that connection with that person. Yeah, yep. and, and 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 the the moment is it's about building trust at some point, right? And that all that trust building may happen when the person walks on set. You introduce, you have a quick conversation, and 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 you say something inside that conversation because maybe you've done some research, you understand where they are, who they are, what they come from, and all that kind of stuff. And they realize that you got to speak the same language and they kind of relax. Because most of the time people don't want to have their picture taken. They're too busy thinking, this is going to be like my, my fifth grade portrait that looks ugly as hell. Right. So I don't want to be here, right? And so, but now this person makes me feel comfortable. Right, I'll give them, I'll give them more than the five minutes that I originally, you know. And next thing you know, you're having a conversation and, and, and making images that are the real person as opposed to some manufactured, you know, posed kind of kind of thing. Right. What's the future look like for Art Center? You're asking that question at a time where Art Center and all schools are going through kind of a weird dance, right? Um, so I would build Art Center as an elite elite college that produces elite individuals, but it's pricey. It's very pricey. It's very pricey. Very pricey. Um, and... Um, and also the recognition that if we want to create an environment where as many diverse voices are being heard, then there needs to be paths of access to the kind of education that we provide. So how do we begin to do that? Mm-hmm. I certainly have ideas. Um, and I think that some of those ideas may be difficult for the institution because it might require a different way of thinking about not just delivery, but everything else attached. Um, So, uh, but I think that unless Art Center begins to make some fundamental changes, that it will find itself in a really awkward position. Yeah. I want to say that it's going to last forever. I don't know that it will, right? Um, and I think for to ensure that it ensures longevity, that they have to rethink some things and be willing to test and take a risk. I think part of the challenges with, with a lot of institutions is the longer you exist, the more resistant to change you are. Yes. Right? Absolutely. So, and, and, and if, if by definition your success is on all those history-making people that you produced, it's very easy to say, look at all those examples. They learned in this way and was obviously very successful. Why do I need to change? Yeah. Right? And, and so the, the challenge is how do you begin to institute risk-taking that's safe? 
by by the nature of that comment, those things are incongruous. Yeah, right. right. They conflict with each other all together. But I, th- I, th- you know, because I think weird. I think that there's ways of beginning to do that, where, where, it's not that there won't be risk, but you minimize the risk, and then figure out how you transition. Yeah, I am glad that Peter had gear that he wanted to give away, and you guys answer my dude. <laughs> Anybody that has gear that is interested in the donation to Art Center, in particular four by five or medium format. We will take it. And strobes. In a heartbeat. Ab- absolutely. Absolutely. F- four by five, as, as, as weird as it may seem, is really a foundational tool for it us. It really is. And, and one of the, it, not only is it historic, but it makes students slow down and think. You can't shoot it without putting it on the legs. You yeah. have to, have right? To. And so, and it's one sheet at a time. And so you're, everything is deliberate. And so you have that experience on the beginning. Then as you make it through the art center, you're making deliberate pictures, hopefully. One, one of the things that happens in, in my third semester class, right, I've, I've done this like once or twice, is ask them to come in, bring their cameras, put them on the, on the desk, opening day of class. And I just wanted to walk around and turn them on, and I wanted to see what the settings were. Are you shooting on manual? Or are you on some program or aperture priority thing? That's kind of an indication of kind of what your thought process is and how you make pictures, right? Right? Yeah. Am yeah, I going to let the am I going to let the con- the camera control what I what I do and accept the results of it, or am I complete control? And I was I was happy to say that I think that class had you know probably 15, 16 students, and there's only one person that was in anything other than manual. I'm like, okay, game on. Yeah. I, 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 I Throwing down the gauntlet. Yeah, well, you know, I want, I want to know that the kids are thinking at yeah, the end of the day. You, yes. Right? I, you don't I, want to work with robots who are just pushing buttons no, on the green button. Not at all. I want you to, even if, you, if, you're, if, you're, if your image didn't, wasn't successful or we have a disagreement about why you did X, Y, Z, if you can articulate it to me, I'm happy because it means that you've walked through a thought process that led you to that. I may not like it. It's not about me liking it. I'm trying to discover whether you thought about it. That's the key. Yeah, that's all. And then, and then we can have a, dis- a discussion about whether it's relevant and in what ways and where I might disagree and where you might have enhanced it by doing this, that, and the other or, or whatever. We, we, can, we can go there for sure because I should be able to, as an instructor, be able to articulate to you why I think that it's not as good as it could be. And I have to be, as an instructor, be willing to listen to your thought process as to why you made it the way that you did. Because styles and looks change. Right, they do. And, and, and it's my job to kind of understand what the visual currency is. Yeah. And, and that's why I'm in the magazine store all the time. Right, they, you're, you're constantly looking up stuff. Constantly. I, I, I mean, I see a lot of stuff that I get frustrated by. I hate seeing people making images that really is a flex to show that I'm, I'm using film, right? So there's hair or little scraggly shits or little moons from a crimping of a, you know, because oh. to me, that, that, but I understand why you do it. I get it, right? 
in, in a world where digital is, is, is the dominant force, if I can demonstrate to you that I've got additional knowledge that you don't possess and I can demonstrate to you because I'm shooting on film and this is what my film looks like, I know something you don't. My fear is, is some of that a filter? Some of it may be. Some of it may be. <laughs> it's like, oh, but, God. But it, it doesn't, to me, it doesn't matter whether it's a filter or not. Because at, at the end of the day, what I'm doing is I'm responding to what I see on the page or what you're putting to me in print or what you're putting on, 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 a, on a screen. How it got there, if it's a filter, that means you thought that this was important for, for it to be there because you wanted to represent and sit in a particular way for the viewer to see it in a particular way or the art director to see it as a particular way. I, I get, I, I, again, I, I get it. Where I come from, the school of thought that I come from, that is shoddy craft. Right. Yeah. Right? Right. But, you know, it's the new black. Yeah, you would, have, you would have cleaned that neg up. Oh, I wouldn't have turned it in. <laughs> oh, I, no, I, I would have spent all night, re, you know, retouching it with spot tone. Sure. Right? I've had those nights. I lived that world. Right? I kind of missed it. Yeah. But so, 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 so my, my relationship to what those things look like and what they represent to me is very different than those that never had to. And I, I say those in the broad sense because they still at Art Center are responsible for spotting prints, mm -hmm. all yeah. that stuff, right? They still go through that. Good. But, but many of them adopt a, a, a um, visual aesthetic that demonstrates that they're shooting it on film. Mm. It's okay. Yeah, it's I okay. get it. I get it. Just make good pictures. Yeah, and, and, and I have to say that what's often I find myself growing in terms of what I understand to be a really interesting aesthetic. Like I, I've, I've noticed this trend where black and white work or color work is printed or done in such a way where it's flat, where the scale is not really super broad, like it's really compressed. Yeah, right. Right? Like they take three out on each side and yeah. go, boop. Yeah, and I'm like, okay. And then I see a few more, I'm like, oh, shit, that's kind of beautiful. I don't know that I would have done it that way. And then... Yeah, Ansel's I, I, rolling over in his Yeah, career. for sure. But then, I, again, I, I made a return to an archive. I was, I was showing some, some work to, to a student um, just last week, and I pulled out a piece that was flat, that was actually in my portfolio. I'm like, oh, shit. I was, I was, I was doing this thing. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was doing oh, that. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And and, and 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 he and he gave me a really great compliment, which is, um, because he had really had never seen my work. Okay. So I had a, an old, I had one of my portfolios that was all colors Xerox, and I had another one that I had when I got out of school when you laminated prints, and it was primarily black and white, a little bit of color. He's like, dude. This doesn't look like it was created back in the nineties. Like it's like he's feeling like this is contemporary and current stuff. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, my job here is done. <laughs> Thank you. Good night. You drop the mic. <laughs> Suckers, I'm out of here. <laughs> Leave those kids with that. Yeah, exactly. Nothing exactly. is new, sir. Yep. It's we've been doing it for a million. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, and you try you you try and explain that to them, right? But their fear is they so desperately want to be original, right? That they 
don't want to look at things that came before them and understand history mm-hmm. and reformat the history into something that's contemporary, mm-hmm. right? Because that's all it is. It's yeah. just, I'm going to go through the trash and recycle some shit and, and then, you know, put it out there as something that is, because the context of, of it being out there now is different than when it was actually created. Um, and the people and the look and some of the, some of the things are different that I can take some of these, these elements and reconstitute them in something that becomes a, a new thing or a current thing or whatever, but it's just kind of, and so I, I you know, it's like, you should go through the, the library. You should go to those British Vogues from the fifties. Cause we've got a whole rack of them and just check out what's been, what was happening. See what's there. And then see what, what that does in terms of your visual library and how that ultimately will manifest itself in a picture that you'd create in the future. Mm-hmm. Right. Be surprised. Where can people find your work? Instagram. And it's very limited. All right. Uh, Everard, E-V-E-R-A-R-D underscore Williams on Instagram. And that's really, that's really it for now. We got we to pick up the pace. No, I'm comfortable where I am. <laughs> I'm good. Everard's good with his, what is it? Once a week, once a month, once a year? Once I feel like it. Once I feel like, that's even a better one. Yeah. Um, hashtag. Uh, I'm, a- well, you know, if, 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 if it was something where... Uh, I felt the obligation to continue to post regularly like that, then I, I would I would play the game like everybody else. Right, right, yeah. I understand what the game is, and so I choose to play the game when the way that I want to. You play by your rules. I play by my rules. Yeah. And and right now, it is my my engine for surfacing content. Right. It's your second bookstore. Yeah, my second bookstore. <laughs> I love that. I, I will I will use that. You can have it all you want. Appreciate it. I am so glad you were in the building. Man, it was awesome. I'm glad I made the drive. Yes. <laughs> well, I know it probably cost you about sixty eight dollars in gas. That's fine. It's fine. But I'll I'll buy you a sixty eight dollar lunch. Oh oh man, we're, <laughs> we're gonna go we're gonna go snack right now. Yeah. That was good. Yeah, yeah I appreciate it. I, it's it's you know there's a lot of I, I love these conversations because there's a lot of stuff that I have in my head that sometimes I get to talk about and sometimes I don't or sometimes I'm talking to myself about. Right. And so when someone's asking you questions, it puts you in a position of have to, having to respond thoughtfully. Mm-hmm. So it's evidence that you're thinking about some stuff, right? right? And that's, that, that makes sense. And so it allows me to kind of go, this is what my thought is, and put it out there, and hopefully it makes sense. I'm glad you, you were up for it. Yeah, man. It's been a fantastic podcast. I learned a lot, awesome. which is always fun. That's what you want to do. That's what these podcasts are all about. That's it. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate it, Ryan. Man. You ready for lunch? I am ready. Let's right, go. Let's do this. All right. Thanks, man. Please. Thank you for listening to my conversation with Everard Williams Jr. If you enjoyed this episode, please click the like button and become a subscriber to the podcast. Remember, you can follow the Just a Good Conversation podcast on Instagram, and you can find all of our past shows on the website at justagoodconversation.com. Thank you for listening.